citizens of the Universal Century, hello and welcome to episode two of Three Times Faster, a Gundam podcast. I'm your host, Isalina's backup boyfriend, Justin Meter, and joining me, my co-host, he is the treads beneath my gun tank and resident expert, Sean Fitzgerald. How proud of you, of yourself, are you right now? It's pretty good. On a scale of like... A scale from like one to like... Okay, so I, considering full disclosure that we recorded the intro for the first episode last night because we hadn't done an yeah. intro for it. Right. And I had a panic attack for half an hour because you were like, I don't really like that one line. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I felt pretty good about no, this one. you should. Cause that's, that's, Thank you. That's good. Thank you. I'm going to applaud myself there you go. right now. That's <laughs> for me. Thank you. Oh, man. It's been another week. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. We got through uh, all the Garma episodes, yep. basically. But I'm really looking forward to talking through how you feel about Garma, because I have my own thoughts. Oh, man. I walked away from with the series, and you, being fresh, I want to know how you feel. All right, so let's, before we even dive into the first episode, uh, episode six, we're starting with this mm-hmm. week, I have feelings about Garma. You have some feelings about Garma? Yeah. I think that there is a romantic relationship between him and Shar that's not detailed. They seem <laughs> like secret lovers. I'm sure if the show came out today, you would have plenty of people shipping them together. I'm, I'm shipping them right now. You're shipping them right yeah. now, despite the fact 40 that years too late, but I'm doing spoilers, it. Spoilers, Char just fucking kills Garma. Hey, man, there's <laughs> lots of stories of lovers killing kind of, each other. And granted, he doesn't actually like physically kill him, but he just lets Garma fucking die. Yeah, not a good friend. <laughs> M- maybe an ample lover, yeah, though. Well, Garma could just blame the circumstances of his birth. That's so. true. That's what I hear. <laughs> Speaking of Garma, the first episode has his name in it. Yeah. It's Garma Strikes. This episode starts off with Bright and crew on the white base talking about how they're uh, kind of fucked right now. They're yeah. surrounded by Xeon forces on all sides. When we last left our heroes, yeah. they were kind of fucked. Yeah. And now they're talking about how fucked they still are. Our last episode five was re-entry, right? So yes. we had kind of a panic moment. Like, oh, shit. They made it. Oh, and shit. Then, yes. They're and then, yes. in the worst possible place. Right. Yeah. Like, uh-oh. And Shar makes a phone call. Ring, ring. Hey, it's uh, it's Buddy the Red Comet. Brought you a present. Mm-hmm. And tells Garma that he's uh, delivered him the Gundam and the White Base. Garma's pretty stoked about Garma, that. Garma's over there twirling his hair like, oh, really? Did yeah. you just bring oh, me really? Oh, really? Did you just bring me that? That's very nice. Yeah, I like your salmon. Twirls his hair way too I much. I like your salmon suit. She's going to twirl my purple hair. It's good hair. So that's how episode five ends. Episode six starts, and it is the Federation forces realizing, like, oh, we are in a bad way. They have landed way off course, somewhere in what turns out to be the North American continent. Yeah. Somewhere possibly in the United States. And that is Xeon-controlled territory at this point. The U.S. government is gone. The Federation's like, we out. Things are not looking great on the ground. I'm just shaking my head. You're like, yeah, no, no, it's... It's bad, and it's it's not really implied that they're like or strongly implied that they're in America, but a lot of the context clues you get in the episode, and then the following episode. Yeah, the following, not necessarily in this episode, but it's the the few that follow. Yeah, uh, very clearly, we're there, we're in the um the Great Canyon, right? Which I think is like the episode two after this. So, yeah. but yeah, very much. Uh, oh, America's fucked, not in a good way. And Char's like not really stoked that the white base made it through reentry. I think. In his head, that ship was not equipped to do something like that. Mm-hmm. I assume, I don't know a lot about the other, like, let's say the Xeon Forces ships in this series. I'm making the assumption that they are not equipped yeah, for re-entry. I, I would imagine most battle cruisers, if you will, battleships, right. ships like that, are not equipped for atmospheric re-entry. So Shar just made an assumption that... And this giant, dumb, white-looking, toy-shaped 
airship yeah. that has all of the right angles. <laughs> all of them. All of them. And some you even missed. <laughs> Somehow made it through atmospheric reentry. Not the most aerodynamic design on no, the face of the planet. And he's kind of like the bottom of the thing, which is literally just flat. Yeah. And it made it through. And he's like, he's kind of what the fuck? Yep. He's a little upset. So he's talking with Garma about that. And he starts setting up in conversation here that he's kind of delivered this stuff to Garma in order for Garma to impress Garma's older sister. Yeah, and you took you took an interesting context for it because I know a little more about the characters and what's gonna what, what ends up happening with them. So you went I don't want to say completely left field because if I had no idea what was going on, I would totally imply kind of this weird romantic interest with his own sister. I don't know if it was the way the lines were delivered or maybe I was just in that headspace because I was already like, oh, no, Char and Garma kiss. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was just the way that it was delivered, like very much like how in episode five. There was that officer, I, I can't remember his name now, but we talked about it where yeah, he, re, was, re he got right, cut. Yeah, and he was like trying like, to fix <laughs> Oh God, no, <laughs> Lieutenant Reed. Um, um, there's just there's this weird undertone of like, I don't know, he just talks about his his older sister in a weird way. Yeah. They get into it a little bit. I don't want it because we'll eventually get there when we end up watching Origin, but they do break down the zombie family a little bit. Gotcha. Garma's kind of the baby. Um, has to prove his worth. Maybe it's more of a motherly figure thing. Like it, he's yeah. looking for an approval. They, for, they never talk about their mother. They talk about their father all the time. Yeah, it's very much looking for approval of his over, older siblings, his father, yeah. Cassilia specifically, because I think, it, I think uh, it's referenced a little later on that Cassilia is like his direct commander, something like that. So. Yeah, yep. So he's pretty stoked because this would be a big win for him. Everyone starts getting ready for battle, except I guess Hayato and Kai. Kai is kind of poking fun at Hayato, who's on a simulator. He just can't seem to hit the broadside of a barn. Right. These five episodes, Kai really shows how much of a douchey could be. He's really douchey. He's in really these. douchey he is, in these these five yeah, episodes. Yeah, he was like a little douchey in the beginning, but I was like, okay, he I'm, really leans. He's he, very much ooh. like he's leaning back. He's got his arms behind his head. Like, this is stupid. You guys are all. T- Stupid, I want to do this. Yeah. Yeah, he has some (laughs) choice words later we'll get to. He's kind of poking fun at Hayato. Everyone else is sort of getting ready for battle. And on the bridge, Bright and Reed are not agreeing about how they should. Yeah, (laughs) anything really. But how they should handle this specific situation where they are surrounded. It's it's very much like listening to a married couple trying to figure out where they're going to go eat eat for the night. (laughs) Kind of. Reed is technically in charge. Right. But he's also been kind of wrong every single time. Every single, and Bright knows it. And yeah. He's like trying to like not be like super sarcastic with the responses, but very dry. Like you're you're an idiot, but we've been doing this for longer than you. But whatever, right. fine, right? And I guess for context, Bright has also made a promise to Captain Apollo on his deathbed that he would bring the white base and the Gundam to Earth. He's technically fulfilled that at this point, but. They didn't land exactly where they needed to. No. So I don't think he feels like he's fulfilled that promise. So whenever Reed's stepping in, it's like, obviously, again, Reed does not know what the fuck he's doing in, Reed, a, lo- in Reed, a lot of ways. Reed strikes me as like, he's a military guy. He's seen some shit. He's, he's been some through shit. this. He's a, he has a command. Bright's a young punk. He's very used to having a well-oiled yeah. machine under his command. And when he's not, like, it, it very much shows when the, the, the fucking kids are on the bridge. Yeah. Again, yeah, I think that's pretty much the next thing that happens here. Snaps at them and is very much like clearly reads like control is falling away from him. Shit's going sideways. Right. Does not want this to happen. And very much feels like if he was controlled from the beginning, probably this wouldn't happen. Right. At the same time, Bert's like, I'm 19 and doing my best. I got a whiny little Axel shit who pilots our fucking (laughs) (laughs) giant deus machina fucking suit. I got to deal with this gray haired teenager over here. Being a douchebag to everybody else. All the olds on the ship are pissed. 
<laughs> that conversation ends pretty quickly because they're under attack. Everyone's trying to get Amaro to take some time because he's clearly very exhausted. He's been in every single battle. Sometimes it seems like multiple battles a day yeah, in the gun. That's the try for these next few, uh, few episodes. Like, oh, I'm so tired. I am so tired. And you feel for him because he is. Yeah. And then just they, yo, hey, you you, uh, you, you want to go eat? Yeah, too bad. Get back in the uh, gun because we're going to not die. Right. This is the one moment, though, where the, like the roles are reversed and everyone's like, hey, Amaro, why don't you just like sit this one out? And he's like, nope, got to get out there. So they send out gun tank. Oh, my God. You and I had a conversation about Gun Tank, <laughs> and I was just like, this is the dumbest design. I've, it's I, so dumb. I hate, I don't like the Gun Tank. <laughs> First off, it takes two people, which is stupid. Yeah. I get it's like one person to drive and another person to operate the guns, which for, honestly, in a machine that seems less complicated to control, in my opinion, than a bipedal robot. Right. It doesn't even have normal hands. It's got like, it's got arms it's got, and it's got guns on those, which we actually, I don't think we ever see in action. And then it's got the two giant like anti-aircraft cannons on the top. Yep. I think most of the design is hold over from like the original designs of the bubble seats from like before the series even started. So like, the Gundam even had a kind of weird head like that before it kind of got that almost samurai style helmet. Well, I'm I'm glad they switched things up because that design <laughs> is stupid. Yeah. It seems very introduced in this episode because hey, we need to sell more toys. There's another toy we can buy. Yeah. Can buy. Yep. The good news is Amaro's got a buddy with him, so he doesn't have to carry the whole workload on his back. Hayato, though. The bad news is it's Hayato. <laughs> now, they do the smart thing and they let Hayato drive instead of shoot, mm. right? So maybe that's a little less work no. for Amaro. It's Hayato shooting and it's Amaro driving. Is it? Yeah. Oh, they're stupid then. Why yeah. did they do that? Yeah, it's Hayato who, okay. who discovered, oh, can't hit it for shit. Although he ends up hitting shit. Yeah, up, actually, their first he, shot he, takes he ends out. Up doing okay. So at this point, we already have the Gevel Squadron, I think they call themselves, mm-hmm. launched from the Xeon forces. And I can't remember the first guy's name, but. The lead pilot has like a couple of wingmen. Was it Levi Wrangler? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a gene company this time. But the the lead pilot kind of gets like both of his wingmen blasted off of yeah. him by a single shot from gun tank. But that's basically all gun tank does. Yeah. And then the Magella tanks show up from the Xeon forces. And this weird exchange happens that we talked about for way too long. Because uh, sitting there, we're watching this. My wife is with us. We're watching it all together. And she's, she has to be positive so, so we can explain what just happened. And we did. We talked for like 30 minutes. This weird exchange. So they send the gun tank out. Right. Yeah, the DOP chips coming in. The DOP fighters come in. He takes, like you said, he took out two of those airmen. And then they had the yep. Magella tanks come in. And suddenly... They say to Hayato and Amaro, I was like, oh, your tank can't maneuver with these other tanks. Yeah. So we got to send the gun out. So they send the shocker. Gun, they send the gun tank back into in the in the weirdest fucking animation. Send the gun tank back into the white base. It's kind of neat. If you've ever seen the Landmaster from any of the like Star Fox 64 or any of the games that appeared in after that. It's yeah. got like these rocket boosts. Like, I, don't know kind of like, I don't know about enough about yeah. physics, but I don't think that would work. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it would need a lot of lift. Right. To, um, and then we cut to uh, Garma and there's a soldier or, or officer behind him. Like, we have a report of the, right. that tank we've been fighting is actually a mobile suit. And Garma's like, oh, a mobile suit. It must be that mobile suit. Well, we'll send out our mobile suits because reasons. And then they do. But at the same time, so they send out like three Zakus at the same time. The white base is sending out the Gundam itself. So they're all working on like bad information. It's this weird escalated, but it all leads to basically like, oh, the Gundam can fix everything. You should buy a Gundam toy. Buy Gun Tank, but only play with it for 30 seconds, kids. Because they can't handle it. Yeah. Then send the Gundam in. It was just a weird exchange because it seemed like you put out a tank 
the tank takes out two of the dops and then tanks come at the tank and you would think like, oh, we got a tank off now. Mm-hmm. No. no, they're immediately like, nope, you're you are a tank that cannot combat other tanks. And then they pull him out and then they're getting ready to pull the gun to mount. Like you said, that seems like bad tank design. It kind of does. <laughs> yeah. So it was just a anyway, we've talked enough about it outside the podcast, but it was just a weird exchange. If this is the part that I think it is, they call Amaro to the Gundam, but he has to wait for the gun tank to like disembark yes, or yeah, something. So they, they call the gun. They come back to the white base. Gun gun tanks getting docked, whatever. Amaro runs to go get to the Gundam. He's in the um, cockpit. He's ready to go. And like, you got to wait for them to get the gun tank out of the way. For, and he goes, for, oh, oh, they make you hurry up get, just to wait. He has such an old man moment. It's like, really, oh, I'm going to hurry up and to wait. Oh. It's a really <laughs> weird thing for a 15 year old boy to say. It just it was kind of funny. But he drops out. And they reuse that animation from the first episode where he just melees Izaku. He's like, fuck this shield and rifle. Boom. And he's and he gets in there and he just goes on a fucking rampage. He pulls out the beam saber. Well, he, and he's like, he gets he gets out and he's a little like, oh, I haven't been on the I've been on the gravity before. Here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And he figures that he's out. a little wobbly when he first lands, but he shit's, right. shit's not going well. And then eventually this is the dumbest thing. I think eventually he just throws away his shield and the beam rifle and then just goes full rage. It's kind of badass. Yeah. He has a like, re- like something his, happens like he gets like his balls drop. <laughs> he's a moment of self-doubt. And he's like, no, I can fucking do this. And it just goes fucking nuts. It's pretty cool. And the music kicks up. And they like you said, they reuse that animation from the first episode where he grabs his by the face and kind of like punches the rest of it away. And it yep. rips it apart. And he, <laughs> there's so many good. You're going to uh, gif a bunch of them, but there's so many. Oh, yeah. Good I can't wait. <laughs> bits in there of just either it's his face or just the. Just the Gundam waving around the beam saber, like yeah. a giant purple dildo. Like, <laughs> it looks really weird, <laughs> but I, I'm excited to go back and capture those. At some point around here, there's some exposition that Shar is having both with the officer that he seems to hang out with a lot. And then he has an inner monologue, but it's basically like there's something going on with him and Garma. Yeah, it's Shar's second, and I can't remember what his name is, but like he's with Shar a lot. Yeah, he's like the co-pilot in the capsule and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And he basically explains to him that Garma's going to fail. This is, attack is not going to work, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be Shar's fault, so it's okay. Yeah, they're going to see that Shar's failures weren't his fault. Garma's going to fail spectacularly, and they're going to say, oh, well, okay, clearly Shar had a, also had a hard time. This makes sense. Right. And he says all this out loud. Then he has this inner monologue where it's more clear that he is very much setting Garma up to fail. We don't know at this point. We don't know why. We don't know why. We don't I know, know why. You don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's also not entirely clear at this point if he's trying to embarrass him or if he's trying to get him killed. It will become clear. Yeah. But I think at this point, it's just like, to me at least, yeah. it wasn't 100% clear on what his end game is. Knowing knowing what the end game is, I can see where you're like, is he trying to make him like look like a jackass, or is he just like, yeah. trying to get him killed? It becomes very clear very, very soon. Very, very, very clear very soon. Yeah. But uh, at the moment, just it really feels like Shar is just setting up Garber to fail, to have him look like an idiot for one reason or another. Yeah. It also becomes clear very quickly that Shar is right, once again. Mm-hmm. Garma says, "Hey, we got to get out of here." All the Z- he kills all the Zaku's. He ends up like, like this is this is another great scene. Gundam's kind of like in the middle distance, in the, like in the middle left of the uh, of the frame, and he's just fucking going to town, just whacking yeah. with the beam saber, just a stab, stab, stab. He's like ripping up the ground. He's like, <laughs> it's, it's it's insane. Amuro rage. 
Garma sees this and he's like, okay, I didn't know what the capabilities of the white base and the Gundam were. Whoops. We got to, we <laughs> got to back the fuck out of here. We're going to reevaluate. Yeah. yeah. And so at that point, the Federation forces have successfully fended off the Zeon forces once again. Amuro goes back to the ship and everyone's very excited because they were in a bad situation and Amuro didn't really want to go out, but he went out and he was the hero once again and he gets back on the ship. And I think the first person he sees is Frau Bo, who is very excited that he's back and he kind of blow, he kind of blows past her. Like he doesn't even say anything to her. He totally ignores her. Yeah. Just like, "Mm." and then everyone else runs up to him. Yep. And it's kind of more of the same. Kind of more of the same. And everyone just leave me alone. And then finally, as he's about to enter his quarters, the Mm. the three orphan children run up to him and they're excited. They've got soda pop for him or Or, or champagne champagne, as we saw (laughs) in the translation and the subtitles. And he at least acknowledges them. But he's like, can you guys just leave me alone? Like, I just I don't want to talk to anybody right now. So it starts to become clear that whether it's exhaustion Mm. or it's the fact that he never dealt well with the aspect of killing other people. Look, like I don't like Armoro as a character. Yeah. I think he's a whiny little bitch. Who I know you really don't like him. Who can't grow up fast enough being thrust in this situation, but I can a hundred percent understand where he's coming from. Yeah. Um, he's 15. He's never killed anyone or like fought anyone in his entire life. Killed. Listen. No, he's kind of he's a nerd. Fought anyone in his entire life. Never mind. Killed them. Right. And now he's suddenly thrust into this situation where he's a fucking soldier and a giant robot. And he's good at it. And he's good at it. Yeah. And he's killed a ton. He makes a comment, I think, in the next episode about like every time he closes his eyes, he just sees the battles he's been in. Yeah. And that, that's some PTSD shit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So he's as much as I don't like Armoro sometimes, I could appreciate where he's coming from. It's clearly taking a toll on him, and it will continue to throughout these next episodes. We then cut to the last scene, which, like any good kid show, is a shower scene. Of course. And <laughs> Char agrees to help Garma impress his sister by basically helping him capture the Gundam in the white base. Garma's sort of in this position where he's like, I don't think I can do this without you. Mm-hmm. And Char's like, don't worry, boy. We go way back. I got you. Yeah, but then there's a twinkle in his eye. Yeah, there literally, he gets out of the shower. He's like, he's he pulls the towel off, he pulls the towel, off, and you see his eyes, and, and you're like, ding, ding. And that's the end of that episode. Brings us right into seven. This one starts off with man, my least favorite group of people, the olds. Sean, oh my god, this episode sucks. Oh, oh. this episode, episode seven, is called the Core Fighters Escape, and Frau, and, and it will make you so angry. <laughs> Frau is taking care of all of the older refugees while Sela and the rest of the crew are trying to figure out I had to go back and look at this again but you explained it to me they're trying to figure out if they can launch the core fighter far enough to get out of Zeon territory and into Federation territory so they can signal for help they don't have the fuel for it they don't super clearly explain it in the, in the episode but kind of opens up they're all on the bridge they're doing a bunch of math yeah and they're trying to figure out how to get something anything Fast and far enough out of Xeon territory into Federation territory so they can signal for help. Right. And the idea is that they're going to jerry-rig the catapult that was initially used for the gun parry, they say, but it's like a transport ship. Um, they're going to rig that up for the core fighter. They're going to launch that into like low orbit and yeah. back in the atmosphere at a high speed and velocity to get Amaral eventually. He's even on tears because it's kind of his idea to get right into Federation territory to signal for help. At the same time, all the olds decide to be a bunch of douchebags. Oh my god. They've got an elderly red alert. <laughs> Somebody hits the I've fallen and I can't get up switch and the lights turn red and All and I, senior citizens need life alert. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't remember exactly, but I think I think it's Ryu that comes out. It's like we've got a situation. They're all trying to pa- somebody. They some- all try to pack into that one stair chair thing that goes up <laughs> all at once. Like just take turns. It's okay. They don't have a lot of time left, Sean. There's an alert because the the seniors are riding, and Sela and Hayato come running in. Like seniors riding. That's right. And Frau Bo volunteered to be a hostage. Because the children are this, so, so she can be near the children. And me and Justin are laughing at each other. Like, what is? What are they going to do? Like, just tell her old yeah. stories until she bleeds? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, what? Back in my day, <laughs> just pinch her cheeks until they're sore. I don't understand what they're going to do. Worst case scenario, she's probably just falling asleep. But they've painted all of these the the older people, the olds. That's what we're calling them. I'm going to be ageist. We'll be old someday too. Yeah. And I hope someone shoots me out of an airlock. Oh my god, they are so whiny and they're the worst. And selfish. They are the worst, and it's unfathomable for me how they cannot understand motherfucker you're at war you're you, in the middle of a goddamn war zone you're old you've probably lived through several of them you're lucky to be alive right it's the weirdest disconnect but all they want to know is are we going to earth which they're already there and when what are they gonna are land? you going to land they want to see water i right. want to go to i want to go to the town i used to live in there was a river there motherfucker is an entire planet how do you know we're near it right <laughs> and so, meanwhile, Amaro is talking to what appears to be one of the original white base crew. Yeah. Who I, I'm making the assumption was a core fighter pilot. Yeah. And he's trying to prepare Amaro for the G force that he is about to experience. In yeah. This everyone, thing. literally, Bright says, "Go eat something," and then he, and he goes to talk to the pilot guy, and the he's pilot like, guy's like, "Stop eating! You're gonna throw up if yeah, you do this. Don't eat anything." <laughs> Probably trying to get him to stop from throwing up and choking on his right. own vomit. Right. So ask, ask him how long he's been in the core fighter armor. Yeah, he gives, gives some his, stats. Kind of stats. And he's like, man, he's they like, just throw you kids out there. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Don't even teach you how to parallel park these things. They just throw you out there. And Hayato gets pretty upset at Amaro because he doesn't seem at all concerned with Frabo. Yeah, and even Sela, Hayato is like, did you just hear Frabo's been uh, taken hostage by a bunch of old people? And Amaro's just like, look around. I'm busy. You guys are competent. There's Fix other, this. There's other people on the bridge who can yeah. help you. Like, go talk to Bright and Mirai. I got shit to do. He makes, he diffuses it in a very nice way for someone that is as, as tired and pissed off as he is and, right now. And has no social skills right. as he does. I was more upset than he was because yeah. he was just like, hey, I got the best people on the case, right? Like, <laughs> you guys take Go care of it. Them. Yeah. I got shit to do. And I'm like, what the, can't you motherfuckers do anything without him? Yeah. Like, just do one thing. Like, yeah, I get it. He's it's the, He's the golden boy. Yeah. He can fix all the problems, yeah. but. He's got a bigger problem to fix, like, you know, getting out of Xeon territory. He's got another problem to fix, too, <laughs> in the form of Kai Shiden. Ugh. This is where Kai becomes a habitual line stepper. <laughs> and the first thing he says to Amuro after Amuro has, like, been briefed on, okay, this is what the G-Force is going to feel like, blah, blah, blah. It's such a douchey thing to say. He looks at him and goes, oh, man, it'd be a shame if you got shot down in that core fighter the second it takes off. He's, he's basically like, like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? What is wrong with you? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thanks for the... Reminds me... By the way, if this doesn't work, you're probably dead too, so... Reminds me of uh, years ago, I was in college, and I got in a, in a snowstorm driving home from college. I hit a snowdrift, and I ended up spitting out and getting stuck, in, uh, stuck on the side of the road. That's uh, worst. And a few cars stopped and asked if I was okay. I had a call AAA. Tow truck was coming. It was fine. Right. I wasn't super worried. Until a gentleman stopped, asked if I was okay, and I said, yeah. And he said, gee, I hope no one hits you, and then drove off. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? But it's the same thing. Gee, I hope no one shoots you down when you try to do this thing. Yeah, that's a pretty shitty thing Fuck to say. Off. Thank, thank, thanks. I, I hope so gee, too. I, I hope not too. Gee, I hope someone hits you on the way home. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> that's the worst, man. 
at this point, they launch Amuro, and Gamera's forces catch some activity from White Base. They're not 100% sure what's going on, but Shar figures out pretty quickly that they are trying to signal. Yeah, these, these few episodes, specifically this one or the next one, kind of highlight either Shar's a military genius or everything the White Base is doing is super predictable and really dumb. And, <laughs> and Garma and all of his forces are incompetent. And super incompetent. Right. And it really could go either way, yeah. honestly. Like, they're sitting down, they're reading over, like, intel they have from, like, the White Base and the Gundam, and, like, like you said, Garma gets to kind of the, the report that's some activity, and they're, they're, like, sipping tea. They're sitting there. And yeah. basically, Char has, like, a spit take. Like, what? <laughs> Hang on, I know Wait what they're doing. I know what they're doing. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. We then come back to the ship with the olds again, and Bright and Hayato and Ryu have pulled guns on the olds, and I am clapping. Like, yeah, let's fucking do this. Get rid of these motherfuckers. Let's fucking Logan run this shit. And they're like, hey, <laughs> hey, you don't need to take hostages, right? Like, what do you, come on. We don't, we don't try to be selfish and we don't want to hurt anybody. Oh my God. So then, we're going to, we're going to be, no, we're not trying to be selfish. We don't want to pressure you. So we're going to be insanely selfish and pressure you. Right. <laughs> so Bright looks at Hyatt and Rio. He's like, put your guns put away. Your gun All right. Like they're old people. We're not going to shoot them. Yet. What? Put your fucking guns away. We're not going to shoot them yet. That's the, that's the context I got. And they just have the most specific requests. It's not like, hey, we we just want to get off the ship. Like, just let us off right here. It's like, I want to see a river. I need to visit my son again. My like, husband used to live in St. Andrews. <laughs> yeah. There oh. was a lovely bakery there. That's I just what I had the, the best chocolate chip muffins. Oh, it's so good this time of year. <laughs> really. The f- oh, the lemon poppy seed ones. They have no <laughs> idea where they are. No idea. They were on Earth. Earth is a large place. And also, they have not been there since they were deported to space. Years ago. Probably. And they make a comment about, like, we were forced to immigrate into space. And getting getting into that a little bit, like, yeah. So you, you find out later on throughout the other series in the, in the UC. Yeah, rich people got to stay behind on Earth. Poor people had to go and immigrate into space. See, I would have done it the other way around because we're fucking this place up. This You leave the pores here. Yeah. Then you go to the moon. Yeah. You got a domed up yeah, there. Yeah, this it's is nice. Yeah. Come on. Elysium got yeah. one thing right. Even if they had like a rough idea where they are, they could be still like tens of thousand miles off because they, you know, they only, at this point, none of the old people, the kids have gone on the bridge, but none of the old people have. Right. They have small port windows. It's a spaceship. So they, they can only, you know, look out so many times from so many different angles to figure out. How the fuck does that guy know that his town with that random river is nearby? How does he know that river is still, is still there? He doesn't know. No. Fuck the old. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you on this. Back to outside the ship. Amuro has launched in the core fighter. Almost immediately passes out from the G-Force. Which is kind of to be expected. Right? They basically told him, like, this is, there's a good chance this is yeah. going to happen. And... He blacks out. He blacks out. They can't communicate with him. And so Reed gets this idea because they got Xeon Dops or something coming at them now. Yeah. Just fire off some. Don't fire them at anything, but just fire off some missiles. So, like, we'll scare him a little bit. Yeah. We then cut to Char. This is another another brilliant moment. Yeah. He's like, hey, (laughs) don't worry about those missiles. They're just to scare us. Right. (laughs) So it's another it's another get just like everything that. The Federation is doing is incredible. Why are these missiles scared? Don't worry about those missiles. They're just they're scared. Yeah, they're yeah, There's no way that he's going to attack Luna too. What are you stupid? Oh, we're totally we're totally doing it. We're totally doing this. Let's go. I feel like this is going to be an ongoing theme. <laughs> Amaro wakes up while Char's Magellan capsule is just lighting him up, but he does manage to get a hit on Char, which maybe the first time, and 
because of the way that the capsule is designed, it's not really a combat ship. Yeah. Armor has this kind of realization. Wait a second. That's that ship. Yeah. Is meant for this is a transport. I'm, like this. I'm in a motherfucking jet yeah. fighter. Yeah. <laughs> I can fuck this thing up. Yeah. And he gets a hit on it and Char smartly retreats. There's a great bit in there when he comes to, though. Uh, Armor comes to. Oh, uh, with Sela? No, Armor comes to. That's the thing when he's like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> he comes to and he's panicking. He panics. Trying to dodge the, the gunfire from the capsule. And, and it's he a gr- just. It's a great animation of him just yeah. like jerking the fucking stick around. Like, ah! They, they pan into the <laughs> cockpit with the camera. And it, he looks like he's trying to hold on to like one of those mechanical bulls, <laughs> and it's just the joystick, and he's freaking out. I, I'm looking like he would be dead from like lateral G force. You're like, if, yeah, if, he's if, gonna pass out again. Like, <laughs> that's probably gonna happen. They then call Amuro back into the white base with the core fighter. Like this didn't work. Sorry. Yeah. Come we, back. Guess what? You need to get back in the Gundam again. Mm. Shocker. Mm. Again, another trend I'm sensing. Kai makes another snide remark. I don't remember what it was at this point, but that's only because I was so busy cheering because Bright fucking decks him. Yeah, Kai, this is not a slap for the slap counter. This is a closed fist. Kai says something that like I told you it wasn't going to fucking work. And yes. Bright just fucking He's like, decks him. I am done with your shit. And he doesn't just deck him. He's like, he threatens him to throw him out of the ship. Yes, that's the, throw that's you the out of the airlock. He's like, if, if you. you if you do this again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> keep it up and I will, I will throw you out of this ship. Yeah, I will personally throw you out of the ship. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of balls dropping, we went from Bright going, hey, do you guys want to attack or like, should we just turn? What do you guys want to do? Do you feel like ice cream? You want to go? You want to go get some ice cream or you want? No. <laughs> and now complete reversal. Mm-hmm. Bright's like, now that he doesn't have control of the ship because Reed's there, he's decided he wants to be a total badass. I applaud him. Still my favorite character. So Amaro comes back in and the Zeons are just throwing more dops. Throw more dops, more dops, more dops. Right, do- right, stop dops, right, stop dops. <laughs> Earthside, many whelps. Yep. <laughs> they get <laughs> they get Amaro into the Gundam. I wrote here in all caps: transforming toys. That's right. They literally have at this point. This is new. They have the Gundam separated into two halves, and yeah. the core fighter just whoops, slips in the middle. It, you see it in the title sequence. But this okay. is the first time you see it in action in the show. Yeah, it's gonna start happening a lot. I feel like. Yeah, I think so. And at this point, Amuro is like a little concerned that like they're kind of in over their head again. He's like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to Sayla. This is great, too. And Sayla basically goes, yeah, we don't fucking know if you can do this either. <laughs> the best worst advice. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what she Amuro's says. Amuro's having like a crisis of confidence. And Sayla's like, yeah, me too, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you don't fuck this up. Good luck, chief. Yeah. <laughs> none of us. None of us here are sure you can. Yeah. Do- oh, we got bets we on got it. Going. Kai, not betting on you. I'm sure you probably figured that. Rhea's pulling for you, though. Yeah. I mean, we're all really pulling for you because we're fucked if you don't do this, but... Whew, doesn't look good. <laughs> starting to sweat a little bit, and as soon as the Gundam launches, of course, Char's like, I mean, my fucking red Zaku, I'm going out there. Yeah. The operator goes, it looks like it might be Char. All right, it's fucking Char. And then they cut to Amuro. It's Char. <laughs> and Amuro is in free fall now. The only way that that whole bit would have been better if it was it, you, the operator, it looks like Char, and Amuro, it's Char, and then Char's like, it's me. <laughs> That's a better cut. Hey, what up? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. (laughs) You guys aren't idiots all the time. The operators have actually been pretty on point Mm -hmm. as far as like the Federation crew goes. I don't know if they're, I mean, they, they seem young. Yeah. When I, just for reference, when I'm talking about the operators, I I believe that's how bright refers to them. The two dudes that they're on like this 
These are operators. They're on like this level yeah, above, they're right? Operators right. Operators or engineers. Yeah, they're yeah. like they deal with radar and. And when he says level above, like literally, like there's like stairs. Yeah, they're on like yeah. The stairs like the position. Yeah. Like they're above, physically above. Right, physically above on the bridge. But they they've been pretty accurate so far, and so they're like, yeah, I think that's sure, and it's totally sure. They've launched Amro into freefall now. Yeah. And he's like, what? I have, a, I have a minute and 20 seconds before I crater. That, that's why he was panicking. I remember yeah. now. He was like, I don't know. And it's, it, we don't either. They then cut to Shah, who's like, they shouldn't call this free fall. It's not free at all. I can hardly move in here. It's a great line. Fucking rim yeah. shot. Yeah. <laughs> he's in the middle of a battle. It's time for quips. Then, of course, we're back on white base again as those two are falling and going at each other and taking shots. And the, there's this battle going on. And the olds decide, hey, you guys remember Woodstock? We're going to have a old-fashioned sit-in on the bridge until you tell us when we can land on Earth. Oh, my God. It's so bad. And at this point, I'm like, fuck ejecting Kai. Eject the olds, okay? Like, how do you not see what's going on? Yeah. First off, we still don't know where we are. Now, to be fair, it is not all of the olds. On the no, show. it is a select group. It is a select group. They come to bitch. Guess we're not landing, huh? Yeah, and that's like, basically. And Brent's like, do you fucking see what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah. Can you get them off the bridge, Rio? And Rio and Kai go to move them off the bridge. And they're like, nope, nope. We're going Peaceful protest. I'm, we're not moving until we get to land. I moved them at this point. Yeah. No sympathy. Oh, my God. I removed them physically. I like this note that I wrote here, Sean. This battle between Shar and Amaro really only ends because Garma gets on the radio and is like, hey, we found out more about the Gundam. Uh, it turns out it's designed to sell toys. <laughs> you got to come back. Uh, they've discovered yeah, that Garmer's figured out that that the core fighter it's, docks in it. The whole thing is a module system, that, you know, based on data from what they saw from the gun tank and right and the Gundam itself. And Shard's like, what? Also, Armor happened to run out of ammo, so he retreats. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's weird because just because they've learned this new piece of information, it has not made the capabilities of the Gundam any better. Shard's already engaged the Gundam several times, right? Now, granted, the Gundam is a very powerful mobile suit, right. but this particular information of, oh, the core comes out, like, yeah, but the, doesn't do anything but, for it. But the series can't be done in fucking six episodes. No, no, no episodes. I know, I know, but I'm just saying it just, just didn't seem like a great reason to retreat, no. but they panic and they're like, we gotta get the yeah. fuck out of here because that's some voodoo shit they're doing. <laughs> and Amaro gets back onto the ship, gets com- his first, I think what's probably his first compliment in the series by Bright. He does get a great compliment from Bright's Bright. like, hey, good job, kiddo. You did yeah. all right. You saved and, her asses. But all the olds are still there. Uh-oh. They're still yeah. bitching. Yeah. And they're like, and again, that's another line about we don't want to be selfish and then proceeds to be super selfish and armor just tells them off. Yeah. Just fucking lets them have Like, it. do you guys not see what's going on? And like, I, like I said previously. I'm 15. Not, I'm out there saving your asses. Like I said previously, not a huge fan of armor, but I was like, bravo. Yeah. No, Brav- it's a good, he has, bravo. He has a couple of un, like good <laughs> relatable moments in this where, especially for a young dude, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, no, I'm with you, kid. Mm-hmm. I get it. Episode 8, Winds of War. Or the battlefield is a wasteland. Yeah. Love is a battlefield, which is a wasteland, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> this is the episode that kind of gives us a little context about where we are in the Americas. A little more specifically, and I think Mobile Suit Breakdown does a, yeah. a, a breakdown huh, about where they physically are. Uh, we find out they're basically near the Grand Canyon, kind of in the Nevada area. They call it the Great Canyon for one reason or another. But My, <laughs> my assumption is that that is probably just a translation difference yeah. or it was something that when the retranslation was done mm-hmm. in order to avoid 
having to answer questions about where the ship is because it does get really convoluted very it quickly. It does. If they just call it the Great Canyon rather than the Grand Canyon, they don't have to be specific because right. the Grand Canyon is a very real, very specific place. Mm-hmm. The Great Canyon's like fictitious. So it could be that. Too. This is a hundred years in the future. Maybe rename it by then. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> yeah. We know they're in the Great Canyon because they hit the Great Canyon. Yeah, they do. And <laughs> that kind of jars the ship a little bit and sends this child crying. Mm-hmm. I think his name's Coley. And Coley's mother comforts him. Yeah, Coley and, and Coley's mother are kind of a key pair in this episode. Yeah, this episode focuses on them a little bit. And she's like, hey, you're a big fella. No crying. We got this. And Amaro's like, looks over at Frau. You think all mothers are that caring? This is particularly ironic, I think, because yeah, even Frau makes a comment about it too. I think she's like, "Yeah, but you know, you don't, your mother's not around." So. She makes a comment about his mother, but the yeah. part that struck me as ironic is that Frau is the ship's mother. She might not be age wise old enough to assume that role, but she's constantly checking. Amro, did you eat? Amro, did you shower? Did you sleep? She's, Can I help you with she, this? She is a mother I'm taking with, care of three orphans. Like she's for sure is a mother. She's ship mom for for the younger crew members and not and the children. I think she's. I don't. I, I want to say she's a mom to Sela. I want to say she's a mom to Bright. No, no, no. It's, she's it's very, very specifically Amaro, Hayato, because yeah. they, they were neighbors. And the three orphans. And the three orphans. Yeah. Uh, all of that. So, yeah. Makes sense. So, it's this weird juxtaposition of like, yeah, we we don't know anything at this point about Amaro's actual mother. But he has been a real dick to the stand-in that he has here. Mm-hmm. Whether intentional or not. I just found that interesting. We go back to Shar and Garma and... Shar's asking Garma, hey, you, why, why do you, he's like quizzing him. Why do you think, uh, why do you think White Base is flying so low? Huh? Why don't you tell me, Mr. Military Genius, buddy? And Garma's like, I don't know, to avoid radar? And Shar's like, no. No. To generate Minofsky particles, so which, we ha- which we have previously <laughs> explained, make radar useless, which is literally what Garma said. Yeah. <laughs> He's, I mean, I think, and then he's like, oh, I think you and I decided that it smells like cinnamon, but yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> They just want the entire area to smell like cinnamon and to avoid radar. But they're flying real no, low, which is why they, they do, they've hit the can. He literally says, like, I don't know, to avoid radar. And he's like, no. And then they, they go into like this graphic to literally do Yeah, explain. he's like, oh, it's narrow down here. And so they can generate more Minofsky particles. And the only difference is like, oh, so we can't use our radio guided weapons. Right. It was just weird. Then we're back with the olds again. Jesus Christ. And they've decided now that they want to be dropped off in in what they think is a nearby town to where they this are is called. Say, this is where they're like, oh, we're going to St. Agnes. Yeah, call, called St. Angels, which is where Coley's mother explains St. Agnes. Because uh, it's not that. Yeah. <laughs> it's Angels. It's yeah. An- Angels, A-N-G-E-S. Coley's mother has explained to him earlier in this episode that that is where she wants to take him because that is where his father was born. We don't know where Coley's dad is. I and assume he did not make great it. bakery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hours are a little shitty, but it's the, oh, the cannolis they make. Mm. Wonderful. Wonderful. You'll mm. love them, kid. Mm. To die for. <laughs> from a little research on the internet, and I think from a episode of Mobile Suit Breakdown, we learned that St. Angie's is near what would be Lake Mead, which borders uh, Arizona and Nevada. Mm-hmm. So the whole Grand Great Canyon thing makes sense. Yeah, we sense. start getting a clear yeah. picture of where they are. Federation forces decide at this point that they would like to ask the Xeon forces for a temporary ceasefire in order to drop off these very annoying passengers that they have. And Shar and Garma agree. What, what's it going to hurt? We don't, we're not here to, mur- we're not monsters. We're not yeah. here to murder civilians. Shar kind of frames it in a way that, no, give it. Plus it buys us time. Yeah. Give it yeah. to them. It buys us time. It looks good. 
it's it's beneficial for you more than it's beneficial for them. Just fucking do it. So, and Char seems genuine about it because you don't, you don't get the idea that he's trying to fuck him over. Right, exactly. I'm not sure if there's a discussion that happened here. I'm a little fuzzy on that, but I'm pretty sure that we almost immediately cut back to Kai, who is yelling at the kids to get away while he blows a hole in the side of the gun barrel. Yeah, so the... The white base crew are like, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna They come up with this plan. We're gonna actually get rid of the olds that wanna go. <laughs> yes, we're gonna do that. We're not lying on that. But front. we're also gonna stow the Gundam inside the transport and get him behind enemy lines and then we can with a pincer attack. So then we can we can fronts. pin him in this canyon. Right. And around the lake. And kinda take the pressure off of us. Right. Um so we then we cut to Kai. He's gonna so part of the plan is to make the the transport look like it was hit. Yeah. So he's going to go blow a hole, basically, in the side of it. Put some C4. He's got some wires. Almost like a very Looney Tunes-esque scene. where And the he, kids are like, hey, what you doing? What's going on, Mr. And, Kai? And Kai doesn't even say, like, like, get out of the way, take cover, I'm blowing this shit up. He's like, screw off. I'm about to blow a hole in this. We're doing it on purpose. Yeah. Leave me alone. This is part of the plan. <laughs> get out of here. And then he just punches it, and it blows up. And you see the kids, like, get, like knocked back. And <laughs> the whole thing's kind of hilarious. So the gun parry takes off with the olds and Frau and Amaro, Ryu, and the Gundam. And they're heading for where they believe St. Angers to be, which is somewhere in this area around the lake. At some point during the flight, as they're being escorted by Big John, Big John, which right. I don't know if that's the na- if that's like the code name of the ship or if that's literally the dude that talked to. In my it, head, yeah. it's the guy flying the Zeon guy yeah. flying the ship. Is Big, Big John. John's flying a ship? Big John, he gets a little, he gets away from Frau, he gets away from the uh, Coley. Gets like, hey, he gets away from Frau. Armor's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And yeah. Frau's like, "Jealous because you've been kind of a dick to me for the last three yeah. weeks." Oh, what's the matter? <laughs> I'm getting attention from Zeon dudes, and you're like. <laughs> And then Coley waves over, and we see this heartening moment of like, Big man, John. they have really painted these guys in a light, at least from the uniforms and and some of the stuff that they're the lengths that they're willing to yeah, do. But you kind of find out Big John's a family man, too. yeah, a soft spot, yeah. They, the they they paint them in a very human like, yes. yeah. Look, we are actually escorting a little kid and a bunch of old people, and they are humans like us. Mm-hmm. So far throughout the entire series, we get the idea like, while the Federation are the good guys, there are shades of gray. They're not always great. Right. But we haven't had that on the Xeon side. They've not always, so much. They've just been the baddies. Yes. <laughs> um, now, oh, maybe they're, they're people too. Right. So in order to fake out Big John, who's, again, escorting the gun parry, Amaro and the crew start blowing smoke out of the hole that Kai bl- blew into the side of the gun parry earlier with like a flare or something. Yeah. When, they're, when, they're, when Big John's escorting him down, he already, he already makes a comment. Like about yeah, he's noticed the hole. He's noticed the hole. Like oh, we like, and he even says back to Garm was like, "Hey, our attacks have done some shit." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, how unfortunate for them." Right. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> but the smoke starts pouring out, and Big John radios the gun parents like, "Hey, are you guys okay?" And he gets Ryu, and Ryu's like, "We're going down." Yeah, like we got to make an emergency landing because we just lost power on one of our engines, and we're smoking. They're faking it. Totally faking it. Big John radios back and is like, hey, this is what's going on. They're like, yeah, let him land. Like, what, what are we going to do? They land very hard on purpose. Yes. To make this look like a, an, act- an actual. Let's make, let's sell yeah. this. Yeah. We got to sell this. He looks at Hyde. He's like, all right, you ready? Strap, st- strap, strap in, boy. <laughs> and the plan works. They land successfully. They let the olds out. Coley and his mother 
decide that they're going to try to go to St. Andrews yeah, another they, way. They separate from the the rest of the the old. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of the rest of the refugees. The rest of the old old. I keep saying call them old. The rest of the old are on a raft. They're about to. I think they want to go back to the other side of the lake because the the lake, there's yeah. a scene earlier in the episode where the ship is flying over and there's a few houses, this is a house that look buildings. abandoned. Yeah. So they're like, we could probably just set up shop here. Yeah. Shelter, yeah. figure out where we're going to go next. So they're going to go that way. Coley and mom are going to go. They're looking for St. Angels. Yeah. Um, they think it's this way. Right. So they're going to go head off that way. They'll, they don't find anything. They'll turn around and go back. Yeah. So they start walking. They start walking. Big John takes notice that they're splitting off. And again, he's a family man. He's mm-hmm. already waved to the little kid. He's got a soft spot. Mm-hmm. He's a little concerned because he knows there's nothing that way. Meanwhile, Frau, Kai, and another dude don't have a name for him. He's blonde. Blondie. Blondie. Yeah. They take off. They uh, in like, jetpacks. In jetpacks. Woo! Jetpacks. They, they look take super off. fun. They're flying back to White Base. Big John makes a note of this. Yep. He says he's actually going to escort him back. Yeah. And that's when he sees that mom and Coley are actually heading off. So he escorts them back a sufficient amount of way enough to know that they're not fucking around. Like yeah. they made it back to where they, and said he they turns around and his co-pilot little John, I guess. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Let's go with that. Let's run with it. Little John's like, what are you doing? Garmin's gonna be pissed. And big John's like, Garmin's too young. He want to understand. Uh, I'm a family man. I get it. So I want to make sure these guys are safe. There's a great wink. I just want to mention as Frau is jetpacking back oh, to right. white base. Where she kind of looks over at, I think it's Little John. She like gives, she him, a, gives him a wink, and, and he, he blushes. blushes. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> really reminding you that this is a cartoon we're watching. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very cute though. So Big John turns around, and at the same time, Ryu and Amuro and Hayato, I think, are still in the gun parry, and they're like, "Yeah, oh shit, they bought it," and they're about to let the gun him out. High fives are going around. High fives are going around. Yeah. But let the gun him out. The side of the gun parry kind of folds down. You see the gun a minute and it folds right back up because they realize the ship's coming back. Yeah. Fuck. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Hide. 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 <laughs> you see the ship. It, it starts heading towards um, mom and, and Coley. Mom yeah. and the kid. They've Cat. taken a tumble, I right. think, at this point. They've, yeah, they've taken a little bit of a tumble, but they're fine. You met, you were like, that was my favorite bag. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, like, she, she loses, lost like, she loses something. literally all of her shit. Yeah. Except for Coley. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> the kid's fine. Bag's gone. Um, you can buy new clothes. <laughs> Somewhere. I mean, not anywhere nearby. Right, but, but somewhere. <laughs> so they're walking, and shit passes back overhead of the of the gun parry. Where he's like, oh, the, I think the coast is clear. Let's gun him out. Gun him starts heading towards the mom. Yeah, that's right. They're he, concerned at this point because yeah. they think that like the Xeon forces have double-crossed him, and they're going to shoot up civilians or something. Right. Rio is trying to explain the plan, like, the plan again to Amaro, and he's like, what are you doing? And Amaro's like, cut the radio. Fucking the mom went that way. Aren't you worried? So he follows the ship that Big John and Little John are in. <laughs> let, the Johns. Uh, let out what looks to be, from a distance, a bomb, and Amaro yeah. pulls out the beam rifle, is ready to shoot the damn thing out of the sky. Right. Parachute comes out of it and ends up being supplies. Wipes brow. What? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Never mind. That was close. Almost fucked up this entire mission. That's, I think, where Big John has that conversation with Little John. Like, he salutes the mom. Mom. They turn around. They fly. They start flying back. Again, Armor has like, I gotta hide. He gets behind a rock. Yep. It's like, oh shit. And he's like aiming. Make sure they hope they didn't see me. And because he aimed, there was a glint from, I think, the um, eye camera on the Gundam that it catches the sun just right. That's right. And Big John. In the same way that Char's eyes caught the light when he got out of the <laughs> shower. got out of the shower. Same yeah. light, right? Big John's like, did you fucking see that? And I saw a flash. T- and they turn around. And I was like, oh, I wish they didn't see me. And, and he blows him out, out of the sky. He doesn't want to, but he's, he's got to do it. 
You watch the ship basically spiral in around a mountain and then land in the lake. Big John and Little John are fine. Yeah, they get out. This is like one of those few times in these early episodes where not everything goes terrible for right. everyone, right? Like, oh, you did a nice thing, but sorry, you still have to die, right? Like, right. no, they're cool. So at this point, the Xeon forces realize they have lost a ship. Yeah. Big John and Little John have Sh- not returned. Shar was kind of paranoid this entire time because it's kind of a move he would have done. Yeah, he's like, this out- is some sneaky cagey bullshit I would have pulled. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, oh, fuck, we got to deploy some forces. So we cut back to the white base. And they're advancing to try and pin in the Xeon forces like they had planned. And Sailor's telling Kai to get out of the ship in the gun cannon. Kai's a little nervous. This is the first time he's left the ship for combat. Right. Right. He's still being a sarcastic douchebag. Yeah. But, eh. <laughs> he has this moment where he, he lands and he doesn't fall. And he's very surprised that he's, oh, I did it. You made a note when we were watching this because he asks if he can lower the white base so he doesn't like break his neck when he falls. Right. And so Sailor says no. And you're like, Sailor just loves saying no. She does. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I need a beam rifle. No. no. Hang on, hang on, let me check. No, gun hammer. That's all you get. <laughs> it's sort of, yeah, it's another one of those moments where Salo has some moments, I, I think I even wrote at one point in some of the notes on one of these episodes, the words, stoic Sela. She's just, she's very cool under pressure mm-hmm. in a way that none of the other kids are, mm-hmm. in like a way that you think like she has clearly seen and been through some shit. She's a bit older. She has seen some shit. We're, we're going to find out what. She is a bit older than the other ones. She's a trained medical student. A bit more mature. Way it shows. Mature. Way and mature so shows. she's like, hey, no, that's not going to happen. She's also best girl. She's best girl. <laughs> He's stoked that he lands and doesn't break his neck, but he is not stoked when he sees the enemy forces approaching him. He kind of pisses his pants a little yeah. bit. Like suddenly snide. What all, is the word I'm looking for? All, all of the sass is gone. All of the sass is gone. All of the quips, all the sarcasm, all of the man, 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 man. I'm better than everybody. And you're all fucking idiots. It is suddenly the replaced with is gone. And he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm fucked. It is replaced with pants shitting fear. Yes. There's some great animation here of just him just sweating and just freaking out and like, ah, but he gets it together and he's like, all right, I got to be a badass. And he starts firing back. Kai kind of redeems himself here after these last few episodes where he's kind of been a dick. He does shit himself. Right. But he does like, oh shit, uh, maybe I'm not completely useless as a soldier because he does take out a couple of tanks, figures out the gun cannon. Also a dumb mobile suit. Yeah. <laughs> like not it. as bad as the gun tank. No, but, not as bad. But not great. Garma and Shar are watching this, and Shar knows what's up. He isn't told Garma, but he knows. And he makes a suggestion that maybe you should check out what's going on behind us, just to be sure. Garma kind of thinks it's a waste of time because they're flying right at white base right now, and he's very confident that his forces are going to take it out. Just yeah. There's just too many of them. There's no way that they could not take it out. This is when Shah reveals that he knows what they did. And he said what we were saying before, that this is the snake move I would have pulled. Yeah. I would have hid the Gundam inside that transport, let all the old people out. And then when we leave, take the Gundam out and hide it behind us. And that's when, once again, in his very psychic, I'm going to predict the next lines that happen manner. (laughs) Hey, uh, Garma. Sorry to interrupt. There's a mobile suit behind us. Uh, We think it's a Gundam. They're not stoked about that. And the battle starts to turn around. Mm-hmm. What seemed like a very rough situation, because they were greatly outnumbered, right. the Federation forces, is now turning around because behind them, they have Amuro and the Gundam right. wrecking all the Zakus. Right. And at this point, cue kick-ass disco music. Oh, that's right. This is the disco battle this is scene. The disco battle. Yes. Yeah, the whole thing. This uh, is also the scene where Kai and the gun cannon 
pushes Izaku off I'm, a cliff. I'm nodding, but yeah. yeah. He's like, and he, and he, he has a line after. He's like, I'm not completely useless. Like, yeah. See, I'm good for something. Yeah. And he, he just literally just pushes it off a cliff, and then it just cuts the guy. You were in something it. called the gun cannon. You probably could have shot it. Nope. Nope. Maybe he's out of ammo. I don't know. <laughs> they run. They all run out of ammo very quickly. At this point, we can actually cut back to um, Big John, Little John, Mother, and Coley. They're like off into the distance. They see shit going off, and Mom is actually helping Big John wrap up a wound he has in his hand. And they're talking about like what the what's going on. Mom has a comment about like I don't care what the fuck is up between the Federation and Zeon. Like I just want to I just want to survive. I want to take care of my son. I want to live. Yeah, you kind of get the sense from both the mother and from the Johns Mm -hmm. that they don't care about any of this. No, the Johns make some sort of comment that they don't know who's going to win this battle. They don't really know, but they also don't seem very alarmed about the outcome. Right. And Coley's mom remarks something along the lines of it doesn't matter because all this is going to do is create more widows like me and more children without fathers like him. John has a comment about uh, they depart at a certain point. Yeah, he gives him some advice. He gives him some advice. Hang out in that transport for tonight. Yeah. Wait until tomorrow wait, wait, and then hang out in that capsule, catch up to tomorrow. the olds. Right. Then they actually turn around and go, hey, um, this whole area. That's right. Used to be uh, a town called St. Andrews. It's not here anymore. So you might actually want to go hook up with the, the old people. Yeah. The camera does this pan out as Coley's mom's looking around and she's like, wait, what? This was it? And then she starts to sob because... I understand where, where she's coming from. This is the last remnant she had of her husband was she knew where he was born. I don't think she'd ever been there, but she knew he was from this town and it's gone. It brings this level of finality to her being a widow, her child being fatherless. It's like, it's all gone. He's gone. The town's gone. It's pretty dark. Everything kind of sucks. Yeah. It's pretty dark. But back in Disco Fightland, <laughs> Amaro stabs the dude with a shield. He does. He it's throws it. Pretty cool. Stabs it. Yeah. This is better than the last episode or two episodes ago when he throws the shield and the beam rifle and goes in melee, although that's pretty cool, too. He's like, hey, wait a minute. If I just stab a dude with what this. What if I just use this? Yeah. So just getting rid of it. And he's ripping apart Zaku's with his beam saber. We cut back to a very sweaty Garma who's like, oh, we got to get out of here. Retreat. <laughs> did not expect any of this to go down the way it did. And Char looks over at his friend. He's like, it's all right, buddy. I'll go out with you next time. You do that for me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I got you, baby Red, bird. Red Comet will come hang out with you. <laughs> Don't you worry. This is the first real victory for the Federation forces. Every other victory they've had at this point has been very much, I don't want to say pirate victory because you know they are small victories, but it's either Char decides to retreat for one reason yeah. or... They're still being chased. Something else has happened, but they're still being chased. This is very much a decisive victory for them. Yeah, Zeon is retreating. We have wrecked them. We've, Our plan worked. Right. Hats off to everybody. Claps. High Z fives not, all around. Zia's not retreating because they suddenly don't have the resources to continue. Like, oh, they got their asses handed to them. They totally did. That brings us into episode nine. Fly Gundam. Hey, did you know the Gundam can fly? What? You're about to find out. This episode starts off with an even more depressed Amaro. He won't eat. Frabo and Haro are delivering meals, and it occurs to Frabo that Amaro needs to eat. She goes to get him food, and he's like, nah, nah, son, don't want none. He's very clearly at this point having problems sleeping. We talked we talked he, earlier about him showing symptoms of PTSD, but this is... He absolutely has some symptoms of PTSD. Yeah. He can't... This is, I think this is the bit where he says, every time I close my eyes, I see the battles I've been in. Like, that's... Yeah, it's probably this one here. Yeah. Straight, like, straight up 
having some mental issues right. with very recent circumstances. Frau makes a comment that this isn't like you, Amro, and that's what I said. You looked ah, at me. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, you know, for a while now, you have been a total dickbag. This has been exactly like you. It has. <laughs> she also offers to get Sela for him. She remarks that Sela's got a few years of medical training under her belt. Maybe she can help him out, get him something to sleep or whatever. Yeah, it's, an inter- it's interesting for Frau to recognize, like, oh... I can't talk to you about this. Right. Maybe someone with some medical training could. And and she's assuming a lot on Sailor that she's had some sort of psychiatric training. Yeah, I think mental m- health. My, I don't even I don't even know is that my assumption was that Frau was suggesting that Sailor could get him something to help him sleep because that that is the biggest problem. Obviously, the PTSD is the root, but the immediate problem is that he cannot sleep. Because, every, like he says, every time he closes his eyes, he sees the, the battles that he's been in. Yeah, that makes more sense. So that, that was how I interpreted it. I think the nail biting that he does is a symptom of the paranoia that he's starting to experience. He starts to explain to Frau that he's convinced that they're just a decoy, while the Federation develops more advanced mobile suits to replace them in the fight against the Zeons. Which is why they're sort of just out on Earth, not really getting any help from other Federation forces kind of feels like they're being left to die. Like, they're just a distraction. Frau kind of brushes this off like, hey, I, I think you're being a think, little paranoid here. Right. We cut back to the bridge. He's not that paranoid. He's not. No. He's a little off, but he's it's an exaggerated version of the truth. It's not that black and white that they're being a decoy. At this point, they get actual orders from HQ. For the first time. For the first time. It basically says, push towards the sea. That's it. Like, yeah. No other further orders. Nothing yeah. about head, being resupplied. Head west. Head west. Head, head west, to the sea. Head to the sea. Nothing about being resupplied. Nothing about sending reinforcements. Reed is pissed. Yeah. Even at this point, Reed, who is obviously a staunch defender of the Federation and a lot of their choices, it seems like, is like, what the fuck? Like, what does right. that even mean? The scene then cuts to Kai, who's in the kitchen being Kai, and he's giving the cook shit about his weight. He's like, you look pretty well fed. You, uh... You eating for three over there, or what's going on, uh, buddy? Yeah. yeah, his main point that he's trying to make is he noticed that Amaro is getting bigger portions. Amaro and Ryu. And Ryu are getting big, bigger portions. And mostly, I think the subtext here is, I'm sure Kai has noticed that Amaro is not eating all of his portions. Yeah. And Kai is actually seeing battle now, and he wants to be treated as an equal. He, yeah. And Bright had given so, the order. Suddenly Kai is like, right. oh, I see some shit. Yeah. I'm now even more the cock of the walk. Exactly. <laughs> Kai asks the cook directly, what's up? And the cook says, hey, these are orders from Bright to treat them like actual pilots. While they're having this conversation, the kids come in and they steal what appear to be tomatoes. But I think we discussed and, and through what Mobile Suit Breakdown Research, they're uh, persimmons. Is that what they're called? Some, yeah, I, they're I not tomatoes. They look they look exactly like, like tomatoes. tomatoes, which makes a scene. If they are tomatoes, it makes a scene that happens a little later with Amaro just fucking eating it like an apple. Yeah. Like, so, ew. They steal three of them. Ew. They, they give one to Amaro. <laughs> And Amaro bites it like an I apple. I hate tomatoes. Yeah. I would never eat one like an apple. I think that's why Mobile Suit Breakdown did the research, because they were like, hang on a second. <laughs> no one does that. Also, the kids take them, right? Yeah. The kids aren't going to just like bite into a tomato. No. It's kind of a funny scene, and at least Amaro eats something. We find out from a discussion that Reed and Bright are having on the bridge that they're real low on ammo. Yeah. And Reed makes kind of a crazy suggestion here that Bright completely dismisses, which is, hey, if we just want to survive... We should ditch white base. Now, I don't know where Reed's going with that because I don't know. They're just going to split up and walk. I don't know. But I, I think Reed and Bright interpret the orders that they got in somewhat similar but different ways. So Reed's like, oh, f- no, 
fuck this and fuck you. There's no way we can make it to the seacoast. We're, we're just going to abandon White Base, which I imagine he's going to, we're going to blow it up so the enemy can't get it anyway. Yeah. And we're just going to hoof it to the uh, to the sea and take it from there. And Bright's like, no, we're not doing that. No way. I, no. Made, a, I made a promise. Uh, our best chances right now of surviving is not doing that. Right. So, the, you know, again, some differences there. But at this point, I felt Reed is starting to see Bright is more a little more not equal but a little more as an actual officer that he could take his opinion from a little bit more seriously than in the past where he was very much like you're just, I, this is an order listen to me that's insubordination this is less of a fight and more of a discussion yeah yeah absolutely i agree after the discussion on the bridge we get back to amuro who's apologizing to frau for acting like a dick earlier he's eating his meal in the mess hall with everybody else and he notices one of the olds that's still on the ship Stealing food when one of the kids isn't looking. He's, he's stealing food off that kid's tray. Again, just really, really sailing home the point that the olds suck. Yeah. These are different olds. Yeah. Because remember, the other olds left. But right. the, even the olds that stay behind kind of suck. Yep. Absolutely, they do. And Amaro's disgusted when he sees this. The, the old walks off, and then Amaro offers his food to the kid. He's pissed. Yeah, he's really irritated. And the kid, and I think it's like the kid's grandmother... I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, just take it. Frau Bau steps in. And she's like, what are you doing? You have to eat. And he's like, if you want me to eat, don't make me eat with everybody else then. She didn't see anything that happened, so he's not giving her any context. But I understand his frustration, right? He's got Kai on one hand going to the chef being like, hey, I hear you're feeding those guys a little bit more than you're feeding me. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? And then he has to sit down and eat, and he's literally watching the effects of hunger, war, this stress bring out the worst in people in front of him. And it's frustrating for him. After that scene, we're back at the bridge again, and Bright's questioning Reed's suggestion to abandon White Base again, but he absolutely says no, this is not happening. And instead, he makes a call. He's going to send Amuro out on patrol. So he rings Amuro, who's back in his quarters at this point, because he's left the mess hall, a little irritated. Yep. And he's like, hey, get in Gundam, go out on patrol. Amuro's like, nah, son. Nah, I'm not having it. Nope, not doing it. I don't want to do your shit anymore. A bit vocal about how he thinks it's a stupid idea. Doesn't really go into why he thinks it's a stupid idea. Just he, I think, I think he doesn't elaborate, but I think, I think he says something along the lines of, "Why would you want to antagonize them right now? We just won. We're in the clear for a minute. Why would you send me out?" Right. What are you doing? And Bright's like, "I'm your boss. Do it." Nope. And he lays back down. Bright's pretty pissed off on the bridge, but Ryu steps in, always being calm, cool, collected. Ryu, <laughs> and he's like. What if Haido and I go out in core fighters instead? Like, let's let Amuro sleep. You're relying too much on Amuro. Yeah. So Ryu launches in his core fighter, and they pretty immediately see Garma's Gao. And Garma is about to launch out of the Gao. And Shar's like, hey, maybe, maybe don't. His crew sees that there's core fighters around. They detect him. And Shar's like, hey, don't. Don't do yeah, it. Yeah, now he doubles down right. on don't. Yep. First he says, you don't have to do this. But then he's very stern about it. Yeah. Don't do this. Abort the launch. And instead, let's follow the patrol ships because they'll probably lead us back to White Base. We don't know where they are right now. Char is really good at letting Garma feel like he's coming up with these ideas on his own. Yeah. Very good at just dropping the hints, planting the seeds where he needs to plant them, and then letting Garma come to the conclusions that Char wants him to come to. Not necessarily the right ones, but the ones that Char wants. The ones that work alongside his motives. Exactly. I have a note. And I remember this line. Yeah. Back into the Kai coffin. Go, Kai goes back <laughs> into the coffin. He's not stoked. We go back to Amaro's quarters and, and Frau's really trying to get him out of bed. She can't do it. And she reports back to Sela, who's on the bridge. Uh, Amaro's not going to be joining the rest of the crew. And Bright is done at yeah. this point. Amaro agrees to fight 
if Bright can guarantee him time to sleep after. And Bright's like, guarantee you? What do you think this is? Like, yeah. we go back to Kai and he's doing his usual Kai bit. He's like, hey, guess Gundam's not showing up, huh? <laughs> and Sailor's like, no, nah, he'll be there. You wait. He'll be there. And he kind of brushes it up like, yeah, okay, whatever, lady. Bright burst into Amaro's quarters here. And this is they have- the slap Heard round the world. They have some words first. Armor says some shit. Obviously gets under Bright's skin. He asks Bright, what are you fighting for? Yeah. And, we're not and Bright's getting, like, I'm not getting into philosophical debates with you right I'm now. Kid, gonna, you're 15. Well, yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> he says some more shit. Really gets under Bright's skin. And he just decks him. Slaps him. Slaps him hard enough where he gets back up and you see a bruise. Yeah. They animate face. a bruise on his face. Yeah. Like, ooh. This um, is not the closed fist punch that Kai got. But this is a slap with enough force to send him mm-hmm. reeling backwards, falling into Frabo. It's amazing. It's a famous. It's so good. It's a famous scene in the in the series. This is the first. I don't doubt it. <laughs> this is the progenitor for the bright slap. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> I loved this. It's not even the last slap of the scene. He slaps him again. He does. This I'm slap. not. I'm not endorsing child abuse. No. In any way. However, this is wartime. Amuro is essentially an adult in this situation, mm-hmm. and he's being a little shit. Oh my god! When, when we get into Zeta, and they they keep calling it like correcting, you're, uh, you're gonna love it. That's what the, that's what the, the yeah, slap they're calling they're calling it correcting. They're correcting some behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of corrections happen right. in Zeta. <laughs> this is the '70s. It's Japan. It's the military. This is probably not uncommon. No, right? Somebody acts up, you get hit. You know, so. Granted, yes, we know that Amuro is a civilian, but yeah, and Amuro, he's lost. Amuro's like, I can't believe you hit me. And Brett's like, why shouldn't I? You're a whiny little shit. Oh, my own dad never even hit me. Yeah. And he hits him again. <laughs> That's, that one's for you, daddy. <laughs> so after Bright's done telling Amuro to stop being such a selfish brat, we cut back to Garma's forces, and they're lighting up White Base. And Garma reports back into Shara that, hey, I think I know what's up. Uh, they're having some sort of problem with the Gundam because it's not out here. So this is going to be easy peasy cakewalk. I'm, I'll call you later, buddy. Like he's, hey, you sit back, (laughs) relax. Yeah, don't don't Don't, interfere. Just sit back and you watch. That's this is important. Yeah, sit back, watch. Don't interfere. And Shara's like, oh okay, okay, cool. You got this. All right, all right, okay, bro. Hey, talk to you later. Have some glory. White base is not doing hot, and Bright leaves because he doesn't have time for this anymore. He has a ship to command. And Frau really lays into Amro. This is kind of a hilarious scene. She lays Frau. into Amro. She steps up and says, you know, I'd go pilot the Gundam if I could. Like, I would do it. She even offers. She's like, I'm going to go do yeah. it. If you're not going to, I'll be in the Gundam. And then Amro has this very much like, oh, silly. Oh, sweetie. Silly girl. No, no sweetie. You can't pilot the ladies Gundam. Ladies can't pilot Gundams? Yeah, come on. He doesn't specifically say ladies, but, but... That's the context. That's the context I imply, but maybe it's just he knows Frau Bo. She's a motherly figure. She is not a fighter. No, I'm. the context is... Because there's, there's other lines earlier in, tra- uh, in other episodes where the English translation versus the English subtitles and for one thing versus the other, so... Armor, I was like, oh, I, I'm going to look like an idiot if I ask her advice now, whereas the actual subtitle translation says, I'm going to look like an idiot if I ask a woman for advice. Gotcha. That's probably the 21, 22 year difference between yeah. when the show was written in Japan and then translated into English. Right. So there's a little a little time has lapsed you, and they're like, hey, I don't think so you, this you get the distinct impression yeah. from Armour. It's like, oh, silly girl. You women can't do that. She has a good line here where she questions his manhood. Yeah. I don't remember exactly how it's worded, but she's like, I guess you're not a man. And when he steps up and is like, nope, never mind. You shook me out of this. I guess I am a man after all. 
He's real proud of himself. He shouldn't be, but he's real proud of himself. Hey, you're, no, you're not. You're really I'm not. Wrong. You're not right. No, you're really not. No, you're not. We cut back to Shar. He's on Garma's ship, and he's... He's observing. He's observing just, the fight. Just like Garma asked him to. And he's having a conversation with the, a couple of soldiers who are like, hey, should we go help him? And while they're talking to him, he pulls this great move. I told you this story earlier. I took computer networking classes when I was in high school, and my teacher, I caught on very quickly, but not all the students did, mm-hmm. but he was famous for having you set up a network topology. And then when you were like, okay, cool, I can do all the things on the list that you asked me to do. I can ping this address. I can go to here, whatever. He would come over, have you demonstrate for him that you could reach these certain network addresses. Right. And while you're not paying attention, he's yanking cables out. So suddenly you're trying to ping a computer or another network device and it's like unreachable. And a lot of the kids, it just worked a minute ago. Always check the physical layer. Right. (laughs) Shar pulls a cable. Yeah. And like, it looks like he rubs a little dirt or he, something he on it. Fucks, or he fucks with the connections. He plugs it back in. But this is also the first time that it's very clear, not just kind of hinted to and not just with the internal monologue that he wants to like fuck over Garma. This is the first time that he, he acted. This is active sabotage. Active sabotage. Yep. Against his commanding officer. He convinces the troops. He's like, no, Garma said, just hang out here. I don't want to step on his glory. No. Right. He's about to take out the white base I on his own. Do that to a friend. Yeah. Who me? Amaro's balls drop pretty hard here, and he he takes off out of white base, and he's like, "Hey, remember the remember the episode title? Check this shit out. He can fly. I don't know why he hasn't used it before. They've been on Earth in atmosphere for probably a couple of days now. He even makes a comment like he already knew that it could do this. Yeah, oh no, it's got the it's he got read, these rocket boosters. He on read it. the manual. Well, remember he read the manual for thirty manual seconds. For 30 seconds. Long, yeah. he also, he owns a microscope, so he knows the science. That's true. So he's like, I got, I got these rocket boosters. I'm good to go. And it cuts to the the pedals on the floor, which don't make any goddamn sense. And then <laughs> we get a lot of we get a lot of shots of the Gundam's internals yeah, fake, in these episodes yeah, where he's fake mechanics. He's hitting pedals and pulling levers and. For some reason, that's that's making the Gundam fly. Yeah. Everyone's impressed, except for the Zeons, who are horrified. Why are there six pedals in only four directions? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. He takes to the air. Even Bright's like, wow, the Gundam's flying. And then the Zeons are like, oh, shit, the Gundam's flying. Garma calls this. He says, that's no mobile suit. That's some kind of fetty monster. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. And Frau is next to Bright, and she's just like... Look at Amuro go! And meanwhile, Amuro's out there. He's, and he's counting doing, his kills. You hate this. this I know. Is, you, this is probably why I hate Amuro the most. He starts counting his kills like a four, like a cocky son. That's five. There's uh, I can't remember the video game. I think it's from uh, PlayStation Two. But we'll see Gundam Zeonic Front or something like that. I can't sure. remember the name of it. Amuro's. In I it. buy that. That's a game. Amuro's in it. He counts his kills in that. And like almost in a taunting way because you're not you're on the Xeon side and you hear him count his kills like fuck off <laughs> that's not cool that was my friend he's not six he was my friend he gets seven kills and he's he's all he's feeling himself man yeah. I made the Gundam fly everyone was super impressed completely of course glossing over the fact that he spent a couple of hours being a real whiny bitch yeah but I guess Bright's correction did its magic on him Garma lights up the Gundam and he gets a wing cut off for his efforts. Yeah, he's kind of like... Beam sabered. Boom. He's like posturing with him. Like, I think I got this. Close up on Amaro's eyes. Dramatic shot. And then he moves the shield out of the way. Grabs a beam saber. Cuts the wing off. And uh, still shot. You see the fucking carnage. And then Garma's like on the radio. Going, hey guys. um, Little help, fellas. I'm going to lead the mobile suit away from white base. 
And when I get close to the gal, light it up. Guys. Hey. Guys. My radio's working. I'm hitting the button. I know it's working. What what the fuck's going on? He also says fire on the fetties, too. Yeah. Or something like, <laughs> something, something like that. He uses fetties two times, and I was like, that's funny. Amaro takes another leap after him, and he doesn't hit him. Instead, he almost clips a Federation transport that comes out of nowhere. Literally nowhere. Yeah, he's like, he's like about to jump over the mountains, right? There's like a mountain. He's about to uh, make the Gundam fly over it right. to try and hit Garma, and a Federation transport is coming the other way. And a lady gets on the radio, and she's like, don't go there, because that's going to put you in the direct line of fire of the gal. Don't be an idiot. Go back to white base. I'll see you in a second. And he has this moment where he's like, <laughs> someone knows what the fuck they're doing? He doesn't say exactly that, but it's very much like, yeah. finally. Yeah. Someone, oh my God. Someone knows who, someone who knows what the fuck they're fucking doing. I mean, it's, it's a lady, but <laughs> she at least seems to have some actual information. Garma gets back to the ship and he is rip shit at this point. Like, why did you leave me out there? Who didn't clean the fucking radio? He's very upset. He's even upset at Shark. He turns around and Shark's like, even if you couldn't hear me, you could see what the fuck is going on. And Shark's like, I didn't want to hurt your I pride. I thought you had this. I, I thought I didn't want to hurt your pride. I thought, and I, I know you're a great pilot. Like, fucking kind of kind of stroking his dick a little bit. It's so, con- <laughs> it, it, to me, it sounded so condescending, though, which just demonstrates that Garma might not be the brightest bulb. Oh, he's not. Because after a couple of rounds of that, he's convinced, like, oh, okay. No, all right, we're cool. He, Garma is so focused on trying to prove himself that he doesn't see or hear the sarcasm. Yeah. I felt like Shar was laying it on thick. And then he also passes the buck on Garma and says, Hey, we had one shot at that Federation transport, but unfortunately, you got in the way. Yeah, not only does he, yeah, yeah he, not only did I not help you, but you fucked over. He kind of like, throws him under the yeah. bus a little bit. Yep. Okay, you also kind of fucked up a little bit. Garmin says, "Well, as long as you understand why I'm upset again." Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're still we're cool. No, we're cool. Fist bump. We cut back to White Base, and Bright is talking to the Lady Federation officer, who we now know is Lieutenant Matilda, mm-hmm. and she says they're going to take thirty-five refugees off White Base's hands. Right. So. From previous conversation, it sounded like they had about 100 people, 100 civilians on board that they needed to get rid of. And I think they only ditched like eight or ten. Nine, I think. Yeah, it was, it was something like that yeah. uh, back at uh, Lake Mead. Right. She also lets them know that General Revel has no new orders for White Base at this time. Although, But he is requesting other combat records. He is requesting their combat records. She also mentions a little after this that Revel sent her personally. Yes. This was not HQ. Was not General HQ. Revel said, go. But she also has no idea why there's no new orders. It seems weird to her, too. Yeah. The only explanation she can come up with is that things are pretty shitty right now. And then Bright asks, when the fuck are we going to get resupplied? And she's like, when you get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You got to get out of Zeon territory We can't. She's almost, she's a little sympathetic about it. But at the same time, you got to get the fuck out of here before we, you can even consider Well, if you think about it. They took a huge risk coming to White Base. Right. Like, this was potentially a very risky mission. And had, supposedly, had Garmin not been in the way of the Gao shot, they might have taken that Federation transport out. Right. So. And she even, she mentions that. You saved my life. If you weren't there, I'd be dead. Yep. And then Amaro. I wrote here, Amaro <laughs> gets his first of many a rush of blood to his penis towards Matilda. Uh, he just looks at her and, and his eyes light yeah. up and he's like, that's a the, woman. The voiceover at uh, the end is like, Armoro has his you know, first experience with the scent of a woman. <laughs> she tells him she believes he's psychic. No explanation why. 
She just says, I think you might be psychic. And he's like, oh, no, not me. Lamp shading. <laughs> we did from Mobile Suit Breakdown and then or maybe I think it was, I'm going to give Mobile Suit Breakdown the credit, but it may have actually been something that I looked up. We had this discussion about the different translations. So the subtitle calls them instead of saying psychic says you might be an esper. Right. Which I found out was literally esp or as in someone that right. has extra sensory right and you abilities. looked that up because we um have been playing on final Twitter fantasy 6 on twitch yes. at twitch.tv slash the vox list nice plug <laughs> proud of you right ah, we've been playing final fantasy 6 they have espers in that we kind of figured out psychics yeah peers that's what that's kind of where it's a that's kind of where it comes from that. Yeah. yep he kind of just brushes us off like i don't know what you're talking about but you sure are pretty <laughs> and Frau is not stoked about any of this. Not only has she gotten treated like shit by Amaro every step of the way, but now this guy that she like very clearly cares about, whether it's romantic or not, is up in the air, but she very clearly has feelings for him. Yeah. And she's not stoked that this lady's coming here and he's all drooling all over her. And to be fair, Matilda, redhead, my type. Oh, I get it. I get it. It works out for Frau at the end. Well, that's good to know. (laughs) Hopefully she does better than Amaro, Fucking Amaro. Not hard to do. <laughs> yeah, right. This brings us to our last episode of this episode of the podcast, Garma's Fate. This episode starts off in kind of a ritzy little ballroom. Yeah, it's with, weird. There's some Xeon sympathizers. There we're in we're clearly in the ruins of what we believe at this point to be an American city somewhere. Yeah. Possibly New York. And Is it New York? We had you. We had yeah. some discussion before this, where at some point in the uh, in the series it references it as New York. I don't remember it ever referencing it as New York. There, I don't know if it's directly referenced in the series. There is some back and forth that I had read online. Okay, I believe, and again, also probably took this from Mobile Suit Breakdown as well, where I, I know specifically in Mobile Suit Breakdown they did they did the math behind like we think that the ballroom part mm-hmm. of this takes place in New York. And then we think the rest of it is happening in Seattle. Okay. So we're talking opposite ends of the coast. And they sort of did the math like, theoretically, could Garma have made it that far across, yeah. across the continent, essentially, during the amount of time that took place between that ballroom and the battles based on like this, I don't know, like the sun hadn't uh, risen yet still. It was still nighttime. It was nighttime in both places, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, okay. right, right. So he, he goes from one place to the other. Obviously, there's like time zones along the way, but he gets there and it's still night. Okay. Right. And they did the math out and they were basically like, yeah, yeah, probably. yeah you could do, could okay. do it. You could do it in a, in a, in a high speed jet. So give a little leeway for it being the future and it's spaceships. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Fair enough. So we're in an American city of some sort, regardless. And these Xeon sympathizers are just kissing Garma's ass at this ballroom function here. They very clearly want an audience with his father, Degwin Zabi, who is sovereign, sovereign. Yes. Who, so he is, he is. The leader of... He is the leader, political figurehead of the Principality of Xeon. I have a little bit of a hang-up with the word Principality being used. I know you do. Which is just that, We talked about Yeah. <laughs> Did we talk about it on the podcast? Not then? on the podcast, so... Princi- rant away, sir! It's, it's not a huge deal, and it's probably just a translation thing somewhere, or they, maybe they thought it sounded cool, but a Principality implies that there is a Prince, and at no point is Degwin or anyone else referred to with that title. At least so far. I don't know if that changes, but they right. do. And, and I believe it's in this episode refer to it. I think it's later that Garma, as he's reaching his fate, <laughs> as the episode title would imply, 
says something like for the glory of the Zeon nation or something like that. I'm like, Mm -hmm. that would be a better title, probably the nation of Zeon or whatever. But anyway, it's it's, again, it's not a huge deal. It's just one of those things. I was like, is there a prince? Knowing what I know um, and things that break down uh, later on other series, it could be argued that a certain somebody would be quote unquote the prince, but he's not really a prince either. So, okay. Again, that's it's a minor thing, right? It's not a big deal. Uh, Garmer's not really too keen on the ass kissing, which actually surprised me because I thought he would love getting brown nosed, but he he likes getting he likes getting kissed um, up to by his troops, yeah, his his military troops. personnel for sure. But but these fucking dirty rich civvies here, he's like who nah. just who he knows just want to snake in to do right X Y or Z. They don't care. Not, they not don't have it. They don't care about him. They care about his name. They don't even care about him. They care about his dad. Yeah. So. He excuses himself pretty quickly and he goes and sits down at the bar with Shar. And Shar was like, they'd be pretty, uh, pretty scared right now if they knew what was going on out there, right? Like, <laughs> we got White Bass and Gundam breathing down our neck and they're all here in their fancy party. Mm-hmm. They get interrupted pretty quickly as Isalina Essenbach is announced. I think prior to that, Garma and Shar also have a very brief conversation about who the older man yeah, is there. Yeah, Ernie Bach Jr. is yeah. there. And he's like, come on down. Yeah. <laughs> That's, a local, That's a regional thing. A regional yeah. local joke for you guys. Uh, but yeah, Char asks, hey, who's that? And he's like, oh, that's old man. That's who's, old- that, who's that white dude in a suit that looks fairly important? Oh, uh, this old man, Essenbach. Yeah. They kind of say that like- He hates Zeon. He's not a Zeon guy. He hates Zeon, but he stayed behind he's- to quote unquote take care of the civilians, but also sounds like he's kind of a- It made me think that like maybe he used to be mayor of this city or something like he was- They do it. refer to him as mayor. Do they? Okay. Yeah. So he was probably like a government official of some sort that like his city's- He loves the city. The city's not there anymore, but- right. Unfortunately, the only people that are left, he's not too fond of. Garma excuses himself again pretty quickly and joins Isolina out on the balcony. And it's very quickly revealed that I was wrong earlier when I thought that maybe Garma and Shar had a thing together. Or, you know, it could be a triangle of some sort. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. But Isolina and Garma are an item. Much to the dismay of both. Both of their parents. Garma's father is not too keen on it and very much. Her father. We already know. We already know that Isolina's father yeah. is not a Zeon guy. So obviously, marrying the son of yeah. the leader of Zeon is not high on his list of things he wishes for his daughter. And while it's not even remotely implied, I have a feeling that Sovereign Zabi, Degwin Zabi, would probably prefer Garma to be betrothed to someone of more political status or someone a little more important. Garma makes a comment about Isolina not being good enough. For him, for for his father. For his family. Yeah. Isolina says she, she wants to be with Garma even if it means betraying her own father. And Garma's like, hang on a second. I can't betray my dad. But here's what I can do. I'm working on some, some cool shit. I'm I got some shit. I got an opportunity. Right? I got an things opportunity are, here. play. Yeah. <laughs> and if things work out, and I capture White Base and... The Gundam. He doesn't say that. But he doesn't he say right. he, Yeah, he doesn't say that specifically, but that's what he's talking about. If I'm able to follow through successfully on this, then I'll have enough leverage with my dad to say, okay, look, I did this for you. Now I get to marry the girl that right. I want. I'm going to present all of this on a, on a silver platter at the same time. I'm going to nuts I'm gonna, as, my, and not as my fiance. Correct. And then, and then if that doesn't work, work I will then fuck Zion. Fuck Zion. Right. Because love. <laughs> love is a battlefield. 
Shower overhears all of this. He's on like another balcony, like over just a little ways away. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, this is very interesting. He's got a little love interest. Maybe I can exploit this. Yeah. He can't hear. He's still behind glass, but he is. Ah, all right. We'll see. We cut to white base and they are trapped in the city. They've been flying real low. They actually, uh, there's a scene. It might've been before this, but they hit a car and knock, knock it like off a cliff. Because that's how low they're flying. Yeah. This, again, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be New York or Seattle or if it's, it really, I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But they're flying so low. I think they're in Seattle. I think the party's in New York. Yeah. Based on the that's expression you gave me yeah. a minute ago. So they're in Seattle. And you think we see something that looks remotely like the Space Needle anyway. So that kind of makes sense. Right. But also not in good shape. It's, uh, no. Yeah. Not much left. This is the, re- <laughs> this is the remnants of a city. And they don't have a way out. Their Xeon forces are everywhere. They don't quite know where White Base is, but they know that it's in this general vicinity. Mm-hmm. And White Base is flying low, but is now trapped within the remnants of a city. Right. Amaro and Bright start to argue over... Amaro has an idea about using the Gundam as a decoy, sending it out, and Bright's like, no, it's too late. Come on, too late for that shit. We're just going to push forward. Shut he pushes up. forward a couple times. Yeah, he does. Which is a ballsy move after, after I- having been corrected <laughs> twice. <laughs> But maybe Armor of like, all right, fine. I, I nutted up. You know, foolishly, I think I can talk to him. Like, uh, to, be, to be fair, he is offering himself up in this. He's not suggesting anyone right. else take on this risk. Um, and then in the middle of, like, I think, the third time Armor pushes, everyone stops because there's a flare. Yeah. Everything is sky lights up. Everything gets real fucking bright. It does. Real quick. Um, And you even ask me, who the fuck fired them? Like, I think things Xeon fired it because they're looking for light base. Um, at which point Bright sees dead ahead just as luck would have it because luck is always on White Base's side because it's a stupid kid show. Oh, look, how convenient. There is a half blown out baseball stadium. Yep. That happens to be the perfect size. I think we could fit in there. If for White Base to fit in there. So they don't just fit in there. They actually fly up to it, turn around 180 degrees and like back into it. <laughs> and there's Mirai, a, Mirai gets a little close. I think she takes out the first few rows of the right. seats. But there's, yeah, there's a dome over. T- the idea is, though, there's a dome over top. It's going to chill there and wait for. Yeah, the, they're going to power down. They're going to work on some repairs. Yeah. And just try and rest for a second and evade detection. Right. He orders Gundam and gun cannon out to cover while Mirai lands the ship. Which is weird because Armour is like, let's do this thing. And he's like, no, also go do the thing. Right. <laughs> I think it's just, again, it's like, it's the same thing with Garma, where Shar is very good at making Garma feel like it's his idea. Bright needs it to be his idea. Mm-hmm. He's the commanding officer in his mind. And so he needs Amro to be listening to, hey, it's okay when I say it's okay. Yeah. Even if it's the same idea. Sean, why are there so many old still on board? Dear God, <laughs> they're bitching again. About getting off the ship, and Fraubo is like, hey, everyone, calm down. And then there's this weird thing where, like, the kids, the orphan kids find another kid, and they're, like, trying to comfort it, but they're using a flashlight and making scary shadows at it, and it, like, freaks out, and the mother's like, where's my bed? I don't know. It's, it all seemed nonsensical to me. All of scenes they could have cut. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was literally just another demonstration of Fraubo was mom. In case you did not get that. Frabo's mom. I think it's another illustration of Frabo's mom. Also, there are still civilians on board. Oh, God. Because again, last episode, Matilda took, best girl Matilda took. <laughs> yeah. Other best girl Matilda took. Um, Pretty good. She took 35. 35. So we've at this point, we've ditched somewhere between 43 and 45 of these. Right. And how 100. Many, and how many of them are now acting as personnel versus, because a lot, again, remember a lot of the original crew 
was yeah they said they took on about 100 civilians mm-hmm. i think that's total i don't know how many of them are the olds but it seems right. like at least half there's, there's a good 20 in that fucking cargo bay that i'll just sitting in so yeah um that's They're about eight, that's about here. 80 too many olds so yeah. <laughs> frabo's like hey chill out we're landing okay mm-hmm. i would not advise getting out here mm-hmm. but we are we are touching down and we cut back to garma who's starting to get he's he's out on the battlefield now he's left his party he's out on the yeah, battlefield he, he gets noticed about white base being seattle yeah. and then it cut it ended up cutting into the scene after the fact and he's starting to get really impatient because this is not how he wanted to be spending his saturday night no so i think it's char gets the idea let's just carpet bomb the scene yeah. the best way to take care of some rats is a little bit of carpet bombing yep said no one but never also, th- also said Char. Yeah, never heard that expression before. He says but it like, you know, oh, it's yeah. like an old expression. Oh, everyone knows everyone that. Everyone knows this. You know the old nursery rhyme you know, about... There's more than one way to skin a cat. The best way to take care of rats is a little bit of carpet bombing. You know, <laughs> yeah. this- <laughs> those are the two. <laughs> uh, so the Zeons start bombing the shit out of whatever city this is, trying to flush the white base and crew out. And this is where I noted, I noted Stoic Sela. Mm-hmm. She is just unfazed by all of this. The ship is, is getting, it's getting hit, not a ton. Right, but there's mostly just, from debris. Like yeah, it's bombs. debris. It's yeah. not direct hits, and there's just bombs going off everywhere, and everyone's pretty freaked out by it. And right Sailor's like, sail. just sitting there. Like, she's like, "This might as well be happening." Yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I'm still like Sailor. I don't care. I don't like Joy. <laughs> we leave. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. We leave the carpet bombing and go back to the party, and Isolina is trying to force her way onto apparently a jet that I guess her dad owns or something because rich people. <laughs> And there's like two dudes that are like physically restraining her and a, and a lady that's also there. And she's like, you can't go. It's dangerous. Get out of the way. Get your hands off me. I have, I, to. I have somewhere to go. Get your stink in it. I think literally says, but your dad says no. Your dad says no. Ah. Drags her all the way back to dad. Dad's like, what are you doing? I have to go. I wrote something, something. It's my life. Slap. You want to understand something, something. It's my life. And then, yeah. Fifth slap of the show. Number five. We're up to five. Again, I'm not endorsing violence against women or against children, but Isolina gets smacked real hard by she gets corrected by her father. Yeah. Who's like, no. And he don't be his, stupid. He keeps that hand out after that slap for a good while. I think he hits her with the back of his hand and yeah. he's like, he's like, boom, and it's up? out. This was the hand that Dunn did that. Yeah. Look at it. Know it. <laughs> she's on and the ground. She's on the ground, sobbing. she's crying. Probably more from the fact that she's really worried about Garma than the fact that her dad hit her. I'm sure that didn't help, but what the fuck did she think she was gonna do? I don't know. He then says the most rich guy thing to the other people. Hey, don't let my ha- don't give her the keys don't to let the my jet. Ki- He's smoking a cigar. Yeah. Don't let my kid have the keys to the jet, okay? She's grounded. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Literally yeah quite grounded. literally. Yeah. Don't let her have the keys to the jet, said the rich white guy. We go back to Garma, and he's getting more and more impatient because the carpet bombing has not produced any results, like Char guaranteed. He's going to go out to the surface, but Char decides this is his opportunity, he thinks. So... Let me go, buddy. Uh, I'll, I'll take the Zaku out. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll see what's I'll going on. I'll find them. Yeah. When I find them, I'll lead them to you. I'll lead them to you. Right back to the gal. You take them out. You're yeah. the hero. He's like, okay. All right. And there's this nice goodbye moment between Shar and Garma that if you didn't know all of Shar's ulterior motives at this point, you'd be like, that's a couple of friends saying goodbye. Yeah. But it's, it seems very sincere. Up until a point, up until the point where Char is like, it made the glory of victory be with you. And he gets in the, in the suit. He's like, all right, he's like, I don't want to thick at the end there. But. Yeah. <laughs> I think he took one, one goodbye too far. Char and the Zakus that he brings with him uh, start heading to the surface to find White Base. And this is where Bright 
again changes his mind and says, okay, hey, Amuro, that, uh, that plan you had about being a decoy? Okay, go. Go. Do it. Do it. <laughs> and Amuro does it. He decides he's going to head out, and he's going to lure the Zaku's in front of the white base, then back off. And then the white base is just going to blow him up. Yeah, Shar has a moment here where he's kind of like, I don't know how I feel about leading soldiers under my command under deception here, but... Oh, well. Or, yeah, also, for... Not even the greater good, just or for my greater good, I guess, yeah. for my my goal. He does. He, he, he out loud has a ponderance of like, I don't feel great about this, but he very quickly dismisses. Oh, yeah. I'm a sociopath. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> this is where it becomes clear. This is the episode. It's not even the like, OK, like maybe he has a really good reason for betraying Garma. I, I don't know. They haven't elaborated on it. But this is the part where you're like, oh, I think he's just crazy. I think like I'm sure there's a reason. I don't know if it's a good one. Oh, there's a reason. I'm sure, but he seems, he just seems a little touched, right? Like this is like, you know what I mean? Because again, he, he ponders out loud like, oh wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm not only my betraying Garma, but like his, his forces, these other Zaku's that are out with me, like I'm literally leading these guys to their death. Right. I know exactly what's going on because I'm military genius Shar. <laughs> I've foreseen all of this. I know exactly where the white base is. Mm-hmm. I know all of their plans. Actually, no, because he, no, he, you're right. He doesn't know where the white he base is. He finds the white base and he makes yes. a comic. That's kind of smart. Yeah, I, that's what I would have done. I would have done that. Yeah. yeah, it does say, I would have done that, but that's smart. All right, cool. I can use this for my revenge. Yeah. And so. And then he does. And then he does. <laughs> Amuro catches the Zakus and he takes aim at one of them. And man, I don't know what the fuck they polished that gun with, but it is now nighttime. And again, the glint. This is the third episode where there's been a glint in someone's eye. And he is given away his position. Shar sees him. I think the idea here is that it's much darker than the animation would have you believe. Um, everything's in shades of blue and gray and, and well, some black here, but okay. it's probably pitch black. Right. And then you see a glint and you're, you're, you're a soldier. You immediately turn to go, fuck, he's over there. That makes, that makes more sense. Yeah. And they, and they kind of alluded to that in some of the animation a little later on where they, they flash black and they just, you see the flash of either gunfire and of the flare and the silhouette of a, of a Zaku, the silhouette of white base, silhouette of the Gundam. Again, it's dark. They don't necessarily have night vision but they you know they, they are you think they would have night vision right you would, you would think that Shar sees this glint and immediately fires he's, his reaction time is just turns on point. fuck it yep boom takes a shot at Amuro we're now in a three on one fight because they know where Amuro is he dispatches one of the Zaku's really quickly but he then gets in a fight with like this axe wielding Zaku and Shar and Shar t- taking right. shots at him and he's trying to prioritize Shar but the other guy's like ah and then it gets rough. And he's trying to follow the plan, which is lead them this way, but they're not really falling for it. And this is, again, I think this, this might be exactly where Shar goes, oh, yeah, I'm, no, I'm not yeah, not going that way. Shar radios Garma, says, hey, mobile suit is retreating. It's heading back to the Trojan horse. Get over here, and you'll, you'll be able to shoot everything. What Shar is not saying is that actually, I know that the mobile suit is not retreating. It's actually running away. He's trying to be a decoy. And then if you get over here, you'll be right ahead of the white base and it's going to fucking light your shit up. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. So he's aware of the plan and he's now executing on what he said earlier, which is, oh, I can use this to my advantage. Garmer flies in. His entire fleet is there because he got some like dot fighters out there. And there's like a dramatic countdown. White base unloads. And then you find out Garmer's on the bridge. What the fuck is happening? Oh, white base is behind us. Shot in the back. What the fuck? <laughs> bad, in, bad intel there. Real bad intel. Bad intel. This distracts the Zaku that's fighting Amuro. This, this sudden volley that goes mm-hmm. from white base for just long enough for him to blast a hole through that Zaku's chest. So it's now a one-on-one fight of just him and, him and Char. 
he doesn't quite know where Shar is, and Shar is not particularly interested in fighting. No, Shar is kind of hunkered down. Garmin's on the bridge. What the fuck is going on? Realizes he's fucked. Orders the ship to do a 180. And then at this point, Shar is like, hey, buddy, can you hear me? Uh, go fuck yourself. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he says, hey, Garma, can you hear me? Blame this on the misfortune of your birth. And then he has the most sociopathic laugh yeah. after. That's when we know, like, oh, he's lost it. And we, we do get some minor insight into Shar's motives, right? It's very, very, very minor. And more of this comes to light as, we, as more episodes progress. Okay. But when he says, blame the misfortune of your birth, because right before that, it says, you were a good friend. I do consider you a friend. Unfortunately, this you're a is zombie. Not, this is not your fault. Unfortunately, your dad and I got some beef and your entire family okay. and I have some beef. Okay. So that makes some sense. And then you're right. The most sociopathic laughing guy was like, what the fuck, dude? I don't know why. Maybe it's a ego thing or something, but I don't I don't understand the motivation behind announcing your betrayal at the very end, because like, what if Garma somehow pulls this off or someone else is listening or like it's right. It's, you know, Shar is pretty convinced that his victory at this point is absolute. Yeah, his 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 vengeance towards at least Garma here is complete and there's nothing to tie him back and you find out through other episodes and other series particularly origin Shar is really good at that Shar is really good at when he ties up loose ends he ties everything up that's like a serial killer trait or something right yeah like yeah i wasn't kidding when i say Shar is a sociopath no wonder why you love him so (laughs) in his last act garma has now pointed the gow directly at the white base and has made the decision that he is ramming the ship into white base. So white base has to react very quickly yeah. to shoot this thing down. So it doesn't hit them. Brent's like, Brent's like, what the fuck? No. Yeah. What is he doing? Oh, take, it's a kamikaze. Take off, take off, take off, take off, take off. Yeah. He refers to it as a kamikaze attack. <laughs> yep. And this is where we hear glory to the nation of Zeon. Yeah. From Garma. But those are the last words that he gets out. Bright and the white base crew are just barely able to blow Garma's gal out of the sky before it hits them. Right. Again, near, narrowly, this is a victory. They managed to fend off the enemy again, and yeah. we get another compliment from Bright to Amuro. They're maybe and, they're and there's a there's a well, you get a compliment for half a second because there's a pretty sunrise. Amuro's very distracted, and you hear Bright go, "What are you doing? Get back to the base!" Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, sorry, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry about that." <laughs> we go back to our Zeon sympathizer friends, and Isolina's old man gets to break the news to her that uh. Garmy Warmy is uh, dead. <laughs> Garmy Warmy is D-E-D dead. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't take it. He doesn't seem that affected by it. Probably because he's probably- I think she takes it well. <laughs> I think she takes, you know, she just she just runs outside and sobs against a tree. Yeah. Um, also, the, the next episode kind of gets into uh, <laughs> how bad she takes it. And then this episode sort of wraps up with Degwin Zabi getting the news that Garma has passed so as this well. Is, this is the first time we're seeing Degwin. Yeah. And the narrator actually come, steps in and says, hey, this is Degwin Zabi. Very pivotal moment in the One Year War. The narrator even mentions as such, like, Degwin gets the news, and, like, there are no words. Yeah, he drops his cane. He drops his cane. There That's are it. No There's words. no dialogue in this scene. Right. And He's clearly very affected. Obviously, I don't know anything about Degwin other than him being the leader of Zeon at this point. Yeah. Gar- but he's, he's clearly very affected by Garma's death. Without spoiling too much, Garma was, like... Probably the most sane out of Degwin's kids. Like the, is he like the baby? He's like the favorite ba- son. He's very much the baby. Okay. Very much like, well, that all, place. all my other kids are fuck ups. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> why'd you have to take the good one? Yeah. Now I yeah, kind of that. Yep. <laughs> and then there's a preview for the next episode, which 
it's Alina's balls drop. <laughs> Everyone's balls are dropping. Yeah, and War does that. And it looks like she gets involved with the Xeon forces in an attempt to take revenge for Garma. Yeah, we'll see. Some crazy shit's about to go down. There's a lot of uh, a lot of blonde girls in this series that pull guns out of nowhere. <laughs> this is two so far. So yeah, this is the Garma arc. We we see yeah, Garma. He we meet Garma. Yeah. very long. We Five meet episodes. Garma. We we start to hate Garma, and then Garma's dead. I wish, and I know you've, you we've had conversations about this, and you said yeah, they clear up a little bit more of it later, and then and then origin. But I I just wish that there was a little more clarity around why Shar went to such great lengths to set Garma up to fail mm-hmm. to the point where it causes his death. Charles' motivations are really laid out in origin. It is retroactive. It is retconned essentially in. Okay. Well, the, the, the general overview of why he's doing this is part of the main series and it's, it's spelled out the very specific details and the nuances behind it are laid out way more clearly in um, origin. Well, that's exciting to hear. I feel like we're in a good spot. I like this arc. You are in the show so far. I am. You're not regretting doing this podcast. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like this arc. I think this like, was your idea. It was. <laughs> it was. I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting arc. Garma as a character, th- there are, you know, there's reasons why I don't like him either. He's a little he's a little trite. He's a little one note. He's a little stereotypical bad guy. Sure. He's very easily hateable. Yeah. He's the rich kid that everyone went to school with that looked yeah. down on everyone else that not super egotistical, but like very easy to manipulate. Sure. Clearly, as we've seen by Shar. Yeah. So, well, you know, the show is not without its critiques. <laughs> oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. This arc, not enough slaps. That's mine. This, <laughs> this arc really leans into there are civilians that are usually crawling. Cr- like war doesn't help anyone. Civilians usually lose out the most. Yeah. And old people suck. Yep. Most of them are gone, though, at this point. Which, that's good. Not all of them. Well, hopefully we can ditch the rest of them in this next arc, man. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Sean, thank you for joining me. Yeah, no problem. This podcast isn't all Sean and I do together. However, we share a Twitch channel where we broadcast mostly space and retro games. Uh, if you're so inclined, please give us a follow over at twitch.tv slash thevoxlist and check out all the dumb stuff we're doing there. We're yeah. about to finish up. When we this, mentioned it earlier. But when we, this episode airs, we will have probably just finished more than our Final Fantasy VI run. Yeah. But we'll, every Saturday, be doing some other retro game. Yeah. As of recording, we have no idea what we're doing next. By then, we, have, we would have figured it we'll out. We'll figure it out. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Voxelist. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Meter. And Sean, where can the people find you? At The Action Boots. If you'd like to write in with any questions, comments, or corrections... You can send an email to podcast at thevoxelist.com. And if you're feeling generous and you'd like to support the show, you can do so either at anchor.fm slash three times faster or at thevoxelist.com slash tips. All money is going to go into improving the show. I have some really good, dumb ideas that require a little bit of financial backing. I think you guys will appreciate them. I know Sean does. <laughs> and the rest of the money goes into keeping my gas tank full. We'll be back in one week's time when we resume this nonsense with episode 11. And Selena, love remains. Thanks again. Thanks again.